The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Sorry, I had to go get rid of a cat. Um... Welcome to the Coco Nation Show, episode 252. How's everybody today? Isn't it 352? I think so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, maybe. 352. <laughs> Don't worry. That's how it's going today. <laughs> yep. It's really tough. We'll circle it backwards. No. Enjoy the rerun. See you guys. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's correct on the screen there, so. Just my note was was off. Oh, okay. Oh, let's see. Who we yeah. got with us today? Let's see. Top corner, yours truly, who pushes all the wrong buttons. And uh, the wrong announcements. <laughs> the wrong announcements. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next up, Marco. Hey, glad to be here. And you got your audio board fixed. Yep. Got the right buttons pushed in the right order. Thank yeah, you, well, Kat. <laughs> Can't rearrange the audio buttons for you. All Cat right. Problems. L. Curtis Boyle. How you doing? Welcome to the show, everyone. Hey, we got Ron Delvo. Welcome from the ranch out here in Arizona. Okay. And Kevin Holloway. And you're and muted, Kevin. You're muted. You've never must, sounded better. Must oh, be windy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's good. <laughs> All right, let's see. Rick Uland. Oh, feeling more centrist today. Howdy, folks. Right. And we got Grant Leedy. Hello, everybody. And Nick Morentes. Hey, everyone. Not on the bottom of the list this time. Oh, but it is time. tomorrow where you are, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. And next row, we got Terry Stiggy. Welcome to the show, everyone. Okay. And Ken Waters. Hello, hello. Hey, yeah, Bob Emery. Hello and welcome. Greetings. And Jason the Coco Man. Hello, hello. It's time to follow your fun compass pointing towards the Coco Nation. And just remember, you can't spell fun compass without compass. <laughs> and we got Frederick Sigard. Hello, hello. I wish I had such a radio voice. So do I. Well, this yeah, is a me TV too. voice now. <laughs> so do I. I mean, I wish I had a radio voice. You, you've all graduated. This is TV. 
<laughs> my radio career lasted about a week. Yeah, okay. I have a voice for print. <laughs> That's worse. Yeah, uh, I've heard it said. You know, you have a uh, people have a great face for radio. Yeah, I have a voice so, for a newspaper. So, all right, and last but not least, we have Brian Weasler. Hello, guys. All right, let's see who we got up here in the chat today. Scroll, 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 scroll. We've got uh, Rick um, Cario, Wayne, Kevin Holloway, Wayne Campbell, uh, Marco, CRT, Sixy, Carrie Shug, uh, Coco Living, Ryo, uh, Jim Rye, that's right. Uh, Tim Franklin, TJB Chris, Wayne, CA, Mark Siegel, how you doing? Tom Eric Gunderson, Eric Rangel, uh, anonymous Facebook user, Eric Canales, Eric Rangel again. Uh, okay, that's uh, everybody up in the chat. All right. First up today, um, special event happening today, the uh, uh, virtual Cocoa Fest. Uh, Mark, you want to uh, give us some highlights on that and what do we get to look forward to? Okay. Well, um, I did post some stuff on the Cocoa Discord, but I probably should stick those out on Facebook as well. I got a few people. Um, unfortunately, um, there were a bunch of people that actually initially said they would commit and then they weren't able to because something or another came up. But I do have seven events. Um, the first one will be right after our uh, the Cocoa Nation stream today with Thomas Cherry Holmes about the FujiNet uh, adapter for the Cocoa and probably FujiNet in general for those of you who aren't uh, aware of its uh, background. And probably we'll talk about Play-Doh also in uh, Arata Online, which is where he kind of started with all this stuff. Um, that's today at what time? Um, I have it scheduled for four hours after we start here. So in about four hours from now <laughs> or five hours from now. <laughs> So um, I'll post the, the list up. Yeah, do we have that on the calendar? I'm sure I do. I'm just about bringing up the calendar here. Yeah, why don't so, you do that? Let's screen so, it with you. There you so go. So Marco's planning for a short show. It's only four hours. We've been keeping it around four hours the last few weeks, so I don't think it'll be hard. Anyway, so, um, so that's the only thing for today with the virtual fest. But tomorrow, starting yep. at what will be uh, – I guess it'll be 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. my time, and 1,400 so, UTC. And the calendar you see on the screen is in central time zone. Okay. So uh, tomorrow uh. morning uh, and afternoon, for those of you in the U.K., uh, we'll have a uh, Julian Brown, uh, the guy who's doing the Dragon 32 recreation board and lots of other cool hardware for the Dragon and potentially the Coco. We'll, we'll have an hour with him to talk about his stuff. It'll be pretty cool. Uh, the hour after that, I'll be filling in uh, for an hour, probably on something I'm working on, um, taking a little break. And then afternoon time for uh, the uh, U.S. and Canada, I'm going to be having uh, Paul Fiscarelli talk about his uh, projects like his um, uh, color computers spike compiler. Uh, and then I believe I have uh, Brent, Brett Gordon, who's uh, uh, actually done a lot of different projects for the Coco, including porting Fusix and the uh, Play-Doh terminal for the Coco 3. Uh, and let's see, who do I have after him? I believe so it's, it's uh, 
a slot yeah, three, don't we have Paul Fiscarelli and floppy disks? Yeah, floppy disks and grease weasel. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah he's going to talk about that. Ooh. So, uh, <laughs> learn all about backing up your images and stuff. I should be doing this with a script rather than off the top of my head. So. <laughs> well, why be prepared? We, that, that's not how we do it here. I know. That's I'm, I'm preparation. That's What's that? And even the scripts let you down. Yeah, that's true. Read the wrong one. Okay. Let me see if I pull up the reminder here. It's on this monitor way over on the left for me. Okay. So Paul Fiscarelli and then uh, Brett Gordon and his different projects. I know he's a couple we talked about that he'd bring up. I've been involved with them for the last couple of years, so I'm pretty knowledgeable on all that stuff. So Thomas Shanks, uh, it's a good friend of uh, William Strickland. He's working on a project called CoPico, which uses a Pico, uh, Raspberry Pi Pico on a board for the Coco, and I believe it has networking and some other potential. So it'll be his presentation. And then after that, I have Rick Eulin slotted in with his Coco IO and the stuff he's working on that. So we got a couple networking ones there at the end of the day. So these are all the people I could get shoehorned into various slots and commit to showing up. What time did the afternoon presentation start? Pick pick a time um, zone. <laughs> yeah, so Eastern time zone will be three thirty. That's fifteen thirty. Uh, so what so, time uh, is that in Guam? What time is that in Guam? <laughs> I think you're going to have to add twelve. Early the next time. morning. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for those viewers in Guam. Wait a minute. I don't think we have any. And is it every hour after that, or is there some yeah, gaps in there too? No, basically it's just uh, four of them in a row. So one hour each, so four hour okay. block. Cool. So four hours in a row of cocoa goodness. It'll yep. almost be like a cocoa nation show. Exactly. Except the quality will probably be higher. Hey, except the yep. information. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, off I the top of your head there. Yeah. I forgot to add mine slot in there. I'll have to update the calendar here for my uh, slot so, right after Julian. So anyway, seven of them total. Okay. Yeah. So yes. Speaking yes, of Julian's yes. actually in the chat too. Count he should seven. Be. Seven. Exactly. Count. Ha ha ha. Yeah, so so after uh, the uh, 8 a.m. that's showing on the list here, there is another one. That's the one you're going to be doing, Mark, yep. right? Yeah, yep. I'll okay. shove that in here once I get logged into the right calendar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I got three monitors, and it's really easy to get lost, you know? So anyway, first world problems. Anyway, that's it. Virtual Fest is happening. I really like what's happening, even though I only got a few people. We're going to promote this probably in about six months for doing this again next year, probably the same time. See if we can get a few more people to get committed and show up. So. so I believe in Discord, in the Glenside channel, there's a link to that particular calendar. Yeah, there should be. And there's also a list of the various people and kind of discussion. But I'll post that on Facebook as well in the various groups. So. If we if we can, if you guys have time to sometime today, maybe also put links. I think there might be one on the Cocoa Nation show already, but also one on Glenside too, since they're kind of helping sponsor the event yeah, too. I'll, so. Yeah, I'll stick them all on all of them, so. Because some people don't, you know, aren't aren't on Discord or aren't on Facebook, so you want to try to spread as much as you can. I can uh, understand the point. Facebook, but Discord. Everybody should be on Discord. I know several people that aren't. So Discord, Dad. I think Discord might share your information too much, so they refuse. Yeah, I mean, there's really just some people who strictly just use email. So yeah, like the list. The list actually post on the list too, Mark. That's actually a good good point. Thanks, Grant. I'll see if I can figure out which uh, of my email accounts associated with that list, the Tandy list. Or the, yeah, yeah, I still don't feel bad. I've yet to be approved to get on the list yet, so I gave up on that. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've set it up several times and I just never get approved. Do, do it okay. again and then just tell me when you do it and I'll talk to Dennis. Okay, no problem. 
They, who runs the list? Have they met you, Grant? Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe Dennis okay. knows you. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Coming to Chronicles of Chat says email. What's that? <laughs> I, think, I think Jason's table just got moved to the hallway. Uh, well, as long as it's not, not long as it's not in the men's room. Yeah, I would have a parking lot. <laughs> you can you can use uh, one of those old couches we saw at the previous Cocoa Fest there. <laughs> I think they might be a little soggy now. <laughs> All right. Next up, I believe we have Brian Weasler to make a bit of a presentation. Are you ready, Brian, or should we do some other uh, things first? Hey, You're muted. muted. You never sounded better, Brian. I can uh, I can go now if you guys want me to. Okay. Well, I, sure. I didn't know if you were ready, so... <clears throat> Oh, um, okay, uh, first of all, so last week um, we had uh, uh, Tim and Alan and Mark Siegel on, and uh, we were showing some, uh, we were showing you the, the, the ROMs uh, with the deluxe and some of the commands that have been discovered and what their, uh, their syntax was. Um, we're just going to give a little update on, uh, on another one here that, uh, that Curtis was uh, looking at, plus a, a little uh, video here. So I'm going to play this video first. I'll share that, and we can talk about that, and then we'll show the other thing here. So let me do a little screen share here. Where's my button? Okay. That should be coming through. Not so far. Uh, oh, I forgot to hit one more button. And there. I know the feeling. <laughs> there you go. That better? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you guys are not looking through blue shaded glasses. Feels so um, <laughs> there, there was a, uh, and step in here anytime, uh, Curtis, and correct me here. Um, there's what they call a phase shift option that was, uh, that was on the, uh, the deluxe there that was handled through some, uh, uh, I think, so a chip and some other components on there. But when, uh, when this poke was put in there, this poke uh, HFF 30, comma, 136. Um, it does this phase shift. And I wish I could give you guys some video to actually see it uh, live. Uh, but unfortunately, through the RGB to HDMI adapter, it doesn't pick up on this because the um, RGB to HDMI is tapping in right to the VDG. And it's the it's the signal. Yeah, the phase shift the circuitry is past the VDG before it hits the monitor. Or, Correct. Or, so. Yep. So uh, a flat screen TV uh, that I had there plugged in uh, to channel four, it does pick up this. Um, I'm suspecting that composite would, but on this uh, particular deluxe, the composite doesn't appear to be working. Either it wasn't working or there's a component, but I haven't, uh, that's just a road I have not gone down yet. But I did capture a little video on my phone here, so I'll play this real quick. It's just, it's real short, it's only about four seconds. Uh, there's not a whole lot to see other than what we're seeing here, but you can still see the the cursor. But it's kind of these shades of, uh, would you say it looks like shades of blue, basically? Yeah, that's what was documented for uh, Micor and stuff. It's basically a phase shift from green to blue, which was supposed to be a bit easier on the eyes. So if you do and, this poke or, or you know, Ostein level one for the deluxe also have this enabled by default so that if you boot it up, you'd get this blue tech, dark blue text on a light blue background versus the green, uh, which... Like I said, people thought looked better than the green, but you could do both. You could switch between them. Right. Now, is the uh, cursor not flashing all the colors? It's just flashing black or? 
that that's yep. the that is that's the way the, the, deluxe. Uh, the, the deluxe does that. It's just a black cursor blinking. Unless yep. you're in the terminal, then it's blue. My eye doctor says that the green is much better for you than blue. Well, then I guess you probably shouldn't have a deluxe, Ron. So we oh, yeah, because <laughs> last time I got what else wouldn't I have? <laughs> well, I know. I'm just saying we probably should. You know, I'm just being being funny. Yeah. So. Well, the last time I got a pair of glasses, they wanted me to do like a blue light filter coating on them. So, so you don't oh, yeah. see blue. Yeah, yeah the yeah. blue light that, that's emitted from the LCD uh, screens and stuff. So yeah. that's one that's supposed to keep you up at night, right? Right. Right. Yeah, so. Exactly. See, I program, so I'm up all night anyway. This is perfect. <laughs> I, I I have to wonder if maybe they were also planning for a potential uh, a Smurfs game on the Deluxe Coco. Now, one thing we haven't experimented with yet, but we will soon, is to see, does it phase shift all the colors, even artifacting colors, so that they're different, too? We don't know yet. So and I will mention, Commodore Chronicles has a good point here. It says, if you're colorblind, this is completely irrelevant. And that's right, because blue-green <laughs> colorblindness is one of the common ones, and you can't tell the difference. Right. Oh, I thought it was red green. Huh? Actually, it's red both, green or blue yellow. So when the shift, yellow, yeah. it, it doesn't actually go to this wide screen, right? That's just a anomaly of the TV display. Yes, it, yeah, it, yeah. it wouldn't sh uh, shift any wider than normal, right? No, right, yeah, it's just it's just shifting the colors as far as the the, the phase of the color, the the color signal. Yeah, I, I see what Ron's saying. It could that could be because it's a, a flat screen, wide screen that maybe it's the TV it's is stretching the picture a little bit. Forty by four eighty. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is some, just, yep. yeah, yeah sixty nine versus four to three, basically. So it's stretching it. Yeah. yeah. Just like all old people use when they're watching the shopping channel. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we uh, this was kind of cool. Um, we I was seeing this for uh, little blips every once in a while when I would turn this thing on when, before I got a little more stable than it is now. Um, I would see this flash of blue for about a tenth of a second, and then it would go to the green. Um, and so we, we knew it was in there, but it just wasn't. Uh, but uh, I, I think what Tim did, Tim narrow down this. Uh, yeah, there's certain like that that control register, the option control register, it's called, uh, has a whole bunch of things. It is an alternative uh, 60 hertz interrupt signal that you can enable disable. You can enable disable the cartridge interrupt. Uh, you can di enable disable the uh, special 16K mini MMU mapping thingy. So we basically had to make sure all the bits are set exactly right so it doesn't crash basic, which is actually tied into all those things. So, so okay. I'll go ahead and turn this off. And now I'll switch here. So excuse the uh, little bit of the garbage along the side there. Um, I could run this the other <laughs> Let's see here. Maybe I might be able to improve that just a little bit here. Um, give me one second. I'll just do this real quick, guys. Yeah, and Jason, here you can see the black cursor a lot clearer, I think, uh, which kind of mimics the dragon, actually, because that's what it had was a black. I kind of miss the rotating color one, to be honest. Just give this a second here. I'm just going to run this through a calibration real quick, and it might clean that up a little bit. It's not. We're not going to do too much here, but it might be kind of nice to see it a little yeah. bit clearer. Did you, did you say, um, Mark, that uh, Mark Siegel's in the chat today? Um, yeah, it was in there. Yeah, yeah if there. he if he can explain what what the decision making was between switching from the the color rotating cursor through to just a black and green blinking one or the blue and green on the uh, terminal program, I, I don't know if we ever asked him exactly why they chose that. So there, that's a, a little bit clearer for you guys. You can still see some black sparklies there. So um, the screen command is that what we wanted to talk about here, uh, Curtis? Yeah. 
So yep. there's a, a command here that uh, Curtis had uh, kind of dug into what la last night, early this morning. Early this morning. And let's see here. It was a uh, screen, screen comma one. Negative that's, one. That's one of the, that, that, that was one of the commands here. So if you type in this here, you really don't see too much. But if I do a shift zero, which on the, the T1 VDG, you get the true lowercase. This here, I just have to do that screen negative one command, and it enables the uh, uh, the, the, the true lowercase. <laughs> and this is kind of cool. If I do screen, I just thought this was interesting, and maybe maybe this is something that's common within the, the Cocoa itself. But if I do screen one, which takes it back to the default, oh, uh, no, it, what was it? Wasn't the screen, screen zero. one? Screen zero. Screen one is the alternate color set. That's right. Uh, so screen zero, boom, on the fly, it reverts everything back to Ooh. the uh, uh, to the to the blocky uh, uh, with the blocks and the uh, the uppercase. So I thought that was kind of I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting, but. Uh, if, for you basic programmers that are familiar with the screen command, there's there's two parameters you can do. You you can optionally skip the first one if you want. Uh, there's you know traditionally there's zero comma zero zero comma one one comma zero one comma one is what we've had up until now, and basically that uh, picks whether you're in a graphics or text mode, and then which color set zero or one, which on a text mode is either green or orange, and on uh, P modes uh, it's white or green as your border and backdrop color, no matter what mode you're in. So this one added in the negative one as an option to switch it to true lowercase on the text selection. Was this the little program that we did this morning to, to get that other, the colors? I think so. Oh, I know that was, it was one comma. Oh uh, wait, yeah, one comma. Was it? Uh, one comma one. Was it? Our color set one. And in the chat, Mark uh, makes the comment, uh, the final version should have been the multicolor cursor. Oh, oh okay. okay. So we're just all get familiar with. No, that's not it. What do we do? Oh, that zero comma one. one. Sorry. Zero comma one. Is that what it was? Yeah. Might as well go up there and edit it. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen last week's show, uh, you oh. have a screen editor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to move to the end of the line or can you just press enter in the middle? Why is it not? Uh... Yeah. Just like Mark said, you have to hit enter at the end of that line. Otherwise, it doesn't take as in a completed edit. Mm, boy, it doesn't like this. It, hit hit break. Hard. I am. It doesn't like that. Type, type screen zero blind. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, see, it did a hard lock here. This is the goofiness that it does here. So, okay, we're going off and back on again. Okay. Yes. Yeah, screen zero comma one should give you the inverse video and orange. There we go. And that works on a standard Coco 1 or 2 of the regular VDG as well, or the Coco 3 for that matter. Yep. So that was kind of kind of neat. And uh, if was you there anything? the um, color pipe, what color does it change to? Sorry, what? If you change the, uh, do that color poke. Oh, the phase um, shift? The phase shift, yeah. What color is it then? Yeah, that's, that's a cool question. I only have cool questions. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Rangel asked, why does screen nine say Microsoft? That's it one of their little Easter eggs. Oh, does it do it on the deluxe as well? 
What did I miss here? No, CLS9 on the Deluxe actually does a cold reset. That We think that's a bug in the oh. early version of the ROM game. You know what? Okay, so I just did this. Uh, yeah, we won't see it because it's not on the we won't, we won't RF see screen. We're, we're on the RF screen here. You can so, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, I could. Uh, oh, shoot. I forgot to bring that upstairs here with me. Sorry about that. I uh, I forgot to grab the, the, the TV. I was going to do that so I could have it sitting here next to me and I could, I could describe it. I guess I'll have to post something out on the uh, deluxe uh, discord channel I'll, I can post a picture out there for it so okay I'm trying to think was there anything else we wanted to mention um we're still delving in like we still have to figure out like what what commands and what protocols etc if any the the terminal program supports we still have to dig in that but this this actually I got clued in because I was talking to Mark Siegel I said there must be some way to enable the lowercase or to switch back to the inverse video if you have a game that required the inverse video, like some of the old you know, you know, strategy war games used inverted arrows as trees and stuff. I said, there's got to be some way to do it without having to poke everything around. And he said, yeah, there was a command built in, but he couldn't remember what it was. So, but he, he thought he was pretty sure it was a screen command. So then I went and took a look and yeah, he was right. There was. So that means I'm going to have to not, we have to not only look at all the new keywords they've added into basic, which Tim and I have both been working on, Tim more so than me, but we have to start going through the old ones to see what other extra options they added in that uh, we don't know about yet. And I was playing with the uh, the terminal program this morning, uh, just on a very basic level, and uh, I I connected a null modem cable to the nine pin serial, and then went to a, a a serial to USB adapter on my laptop, and I was able to type characters on the Coco, and they would appear on the they would appear on the uh, uh, on the desktop or my uh, on my computer there. So we got that going, but uh, obviously it's not a full terminal type host, so there'll be more to more to work on there. So. But I do have some other things I can share with you guys, though. Some uh, acquisition type stuff. Surprise, surprise. Go ahead. <laughs> I am so shocked. I know. I know. Well, if you guys want to chat amongst yourself for a minute, I just need to move this out of the way. So. Yeah, I can make a couple. I can make a quick announcement real quick. If, uh, yeah. We're great. just going to kill some time here. Um, let me turn on my... Uh, video here real quick just want to let everybody to know that uh i have just posted the uh t-shirts designs for the uh 2024 coco fest uh t-shirt on the website now so you can go to glensideccc.myspreadshop.com were you going to show us that uh sure i guess i can if you don't uh i'm not, not going to mess up your uh screen sharing or anything am i brian no it's not currently sharing He's not nope. sharing right now, so go ahead. Yeah, so you're good. Well, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe I won't be able to do it. Uh, can you pull it up there, Brian? Or Mark? Or Mark? Mark? Yeah. I can Brian, Brian's getting there. ready for his other presentation, so. Yeah. No, I meant Mark. I was looking yeah. at Brian, though. <laughs> for some reason, it's not let me switch. I thought it's I got... just because you haven't been in so long, you've forgotten who everybody is. I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness! Really, Curtis? Build the love in here today. Thanks, Curtis. Yes, yeah, no problem, Greg. Today is Grant Appreciation Day here on the Coco Nation show. <laughs> and while we're waiting for Mark to bring that up, uh, the other announcement. Too oh, okay. Thank you. And the other <laughs> announcement too, I would like to make is the uh, tables for the overflow room have now been uh, posted on the uh, Tandy List site. So if you would like to move from the main ballroom over into the overflow room just shoot me an email i'll get that changed for you 
or if you uh, would like to have a table and couldn't get one because everything was filled up in the main room, uh, now we have some uh, we have nine tables available in the overflow room. So and for, and for those who are wondering why we've added the overflow as well as the hallway, some people are concerned with stuff you know getting lifted or or have to drag their stuff and lock it up every night. So this way, that whole room can be locked up separately, just like the main hall, so that uh, you can be a bit more safe with your your equipment and stuff that you bring. Exactly. And then also, too, if you want a place to call home, the hallway tables will probably be a great spot for that as well, too. So so the tables are the same price as in the ballroom. They're $30 a piece. And you can uh, register, register for those at attendeelist.com. And again, if you want to move your tables around from like the main ballroom to the overflow room or to the hallway, uh, just shoot me an email and I'll get that changed in there for you. So other than that, we are down to, I think, 69 days. So uh, we're getting closer, only a couple months away. So, but that's all I have right now. Okay. Well, thanks for the update. Um, good good to hear that you got that room because we were talking about it before. And it, uh, I think that'll put a lot of people's minds at ease if they're they bringing a lot of stuff to show. Yep, exactly. Hey, Grant, uh, what was that URL again? Uh which one for the t-shirts? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, glensideccc.myspread.com. Can you post it up in the Discord, Facebook, and stuff too, Grant, just so people know where to yep. look? Yep. And actually, actually, I'm going to do that. I'm actually in the process of making the post right now on the uh, okay. website, which then will get spread out to uh, everything else. But uh, I, I think you mentioned last week there's some alternative designs people can pick from this, this year. Yeah, yeah, there's two of them. Uh, one was done by Ron DeVoe, and the other one was done by Salvador Garcia. So, so collect them all, get both. Exactly. <laughs> and there's also more things, too, than just T-shirts. So there's sweatshirts on there. There's uh, water bottles, uh, coffee mugs. I mean, there's several different things you can purchase. So if you're not big into T-shirts, you want these. Yep. I think <laughs> you can buy a face mask if you want. <laughs> How about tattooed cats, since everybody has a cat on the show? <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, actually, I have a, uh, I have a dog. So, <laughs> is that what that is? We know you're rebellious. <laughs> That's a funny looking cat you have there. <laughs> so, so, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't realize we had all those different things available there. But uh, yeah, I might have yep. to actually be a bit picky in what I'm what I'm getting this year. Yeah, and plus, also, we get a little bit of profit back uh, for that, which that helps put on the show too so so it does go to a good cause cool. we're a good cause yeah yeah because <laughs> it goes to a good cause to put on the cocoa fest yeah cocoa fest happen. is a good cause yes yeah exactly because it is <laughs> have we waffled it long enough for you brian or are you still working on it oh i'm uh here. i'm ready uh here we go a waffling Brent. Yeah, I got stopped. Grant was able to get on long enough there. So, yep. I got stopped with the monkey here. Oh, monkey! <laughs> <laughs> How much oh. for the monkey? How much for the monkey? How much for your monkey? Uh, you want to buy a monkey? If you guys watch the Blues Brothers, that would be funny. So anyway, okay. Um, so <laughs> a topic of discussion. <laughs> A topic of discussion. Um, you saw Tim Franklin's for... comment, Mark? <laughs> yes, I just did. <laughs> you want to sh- for those who didn't see it in the chat there, Tim Franklin asked, did I just see a jock strap? <laughs> merch is merch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's French. 
Uh, Looking for a jock. <laughs> Merchandising. Oh. Merchandising. Anyway, sort of derail you there, Brian. No, no, no worries. <laughs> Do we have Coco Fest the flamethrower? <laughs> or Coco Fest uh. not a flamethrower? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Brian, what you got? Everybody uh, limbered up now? Okay. Um, <laughs> so a topic of discussion that's been going on for the past several months is obviously Steve Bjork and his, um, and the estate sale and uh, some of the stuff going on around that where there's been folks that have uh, grabbed up some of the items and have been reselling and such. But uh, there was a seller that I've been working with and he's been very reasonable with me. And uh, uh a couple items I have here were things that were on eBay. Uh, most of this came from this one guy. Um, so I wanted to share some of that stuff with you that, uh, and some of this is things that you guys might've seen, but it, again, I guess it's from the, the Steve Bjork um, estate sale. So the first thing I was going to show you was this thing here it was made by speech systems. Oops. Let me switch screens here. So you're not looking at my face. Oops. That was still your face, man. Start, What's start, the deal? start talking and not thinking. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Ooh, does that look blue to you guys or look purple? Blue. Mm-hmm. It's purple. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it, it's it's a it's your crayon purple color there. Let me back this up just a smidgen. Oops. There we go. Okay. So it was. Uh, I had never seen this one before. The speech systems. Uh, they made a precision time module. And it was in their regular case that you see everything that speech systems is. They had this case here, you know, so whether it was, whether there was the ears cartridge, the uh, sound cartridges, no matter what cartridge they built, they seemed like they used the same, the same case. There was just, uh, um, just not. Yeah. Well, considering how expensive it was to make molded cases back then, I can see them using one generic one for everything. Sure. I went and took the screws out of this so we can kind of look inside here. Is this just a cute way to say real-time clock? Yes. <laughs> Ding, real-time clock. <laughs> Which Everybody take a drink. <laughs> there we go. And now it's oh, purple. Beefy battery, too. Keep yeah, so that time to... for a while. <laughs> I, I think here, Eric Gar- G- Graveluk, or however you say his name, said uh, it mentioned how we put all these chips in a big box when they're only this you could probably use one seventh the size of a board to put uh, all that stuff on, huh? Right. I mean, just buying boxes is expensive. If you already make something. Yeah, especially if you're paying for different moldings, that's really expensive. It's like thousands of dollars to make a molding back then. And they had one blank board outline. Some guy with a ruler drew this in. So why (laughs) why make it any tighter than you have to? Right. And that way you can avoid crosstalk. It's kind of like some of these resistors. So you hardware guys out there, you know, we're kind of used to these little brown ones like this, but uh, I love those old, uh, the older ones. I don't, maybe it's just a higher wattage resistor, but the ones that are these brown, almost like a perfect tube. Those those are carbon composite. So that's Mm -hmm. just a slug of carbon powder inside that brown. Yeah. And the other Um, ones are wire round. Wire round. I think think that, uh, that odd one there, I think also is maybe has a a, a higher tolerance or well, low (laughs) It's right, twenty percent. Yeah, twenty percent. Which ones make smoke? Right. My, well, my, I, I have a bunch of those from like my dad's electronic stuff after he stopped that kind of stuff, and I have I have a ton of two point two k resistors like that. Okay. Yeah. They all make smoke if you apply enough voltage. Okay. Yes, Absolutely. 
Oh, David Lord in the chat is saying this one is more accurate than a mere real-time clock. So does this actually have programmable timer interrupts and stuff too? Um, I'd have to look at the, the uh, there was no software that came with oh. it, though, but in the but in the manual, they do have several different basic programs that you could type in to, uh, oh, to set the clock. Atomic clock. So that's that Motorola timer, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a crystal and some little circuitry over here. This Motorola chip right here in the middle, the big one. That's a that's that precision timer thing. Cool. So what 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 is that chip like? Does it give you like a hundredth or a thousandth of a second timing or it, something? Or? It came up on on Facebook or somewhere um, just the last couple of days. Yeah, it's a really precision timer chip, so you can. So is it actually real time clock or is it just a precision timer clock? I would well, assume once once set, with the battery, the... yeah. Once you set the time, yeah. you set the time. <laughs> what so what does it say accurate. specifically on the cover there, Brian? Until it would be accurate thing. to say yes. No, just quality real time clock for the. Yeah, All right. well, the rest of the battery. Just, the just glue, glue logic. But I don't know if this thing is. I don't know if he if he bought this and never used it because this manual has. Uh, I think uh, I don't think it's been invented. <laughs> it's near, like near, it is. It's like pure, nearly perfect here. Um, yeah, there's three programs in the back there. You know, setting the time, but uh, it even has oh, the. Uh, oh. well, setting oh, the hey. time means it does have real time clock functions then, but it sounds like it might oh, also right. have a programmable timer, kind of like the Gimme has. Well, that that was the whole point of the big battery is once you hey, set Brian? the time, your timer yes. will just keep it forever. So you said this came from the Steve Bjork stuff. Um, or is, it, or is this guy, else's? well, there was, uh, I think there's been like three or four different buyers out there that, that bought, that picked up initial, stuff from there, yeah. the initial thing. And then it, it, who knows where it's kind of spread out from there. That but was like, cool. You're when thinking you this first... came from Mark, Mark first, then Rick. Yeah. I was just saying, you think this came from Steve Bjork's estate though, right? That's what the seller claimed, and claimed, it was with okay. some, it, it was with some other stuff Definitely. that also okay. had um, his uh, that had his uh, name on it or name on the like the mailing labels okay. and things like that so, and stuff. So you know, in in Steve Bjork's stuff, he's been doing in the last few years, he's doing animatronics and and uh, animation, you know, control systems. And so yes. this is the exact type of thing you'd want to have if you wanted to have your Coco control some sort of event. Just That's right. I can't remember so, the name of his company, but yeah, he was running a company that would uh, with like uh, Christmas tree lights yeah. or light control systems or uh, something like that. We little talker, basically okay. uh, animated. Uh, he he called his company. It was called Haunt Hackers. Right, Haunt Hackers. Yep. Yep. I got a so, question. So, how does this then, vary from the um, Disto time clock or real time clock? The, the other clocks that we normally talk about here are just basically to keep track of the date and time, and they're maybe accurate to one sixtieth or one one hundredth of a second. It sounds like this can be much more precise. Um, and like I said, it might have a timer interrupt. It can trigger where you can actually almost duplicate the gimme's timer uh, function for stuff like background sound timing and stuff. I don't know for sure, though. We'd have to fully go through the manual to figure that out. All right. Will who did the, I interrupt? Uh, uh, Frederick? Will, yeah. Will the uh, documentation be uh, posted on the uh, Coco Archive? Curious uh, to see the diagram. I'll add it to my list of stuff to scan. I have so much stuff to scan. I need to. <laughs> I need to take like be, a month. I have to be no. like a month from work. You and, uh, high speed scanner things, right? Yep. No, if, if my Powerball number. You may have to bring hit. some down to the fest and distribute to some of us to ah, have more time to do it. It did it <laughs> right? again. When you put something white in the picture, the white balance is corrected, and the manual cover becomes purple. 
Yeah. Oh. yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Take it off, it turns blue again. That's a hell of a palette swap you got going in real time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We Fingers thought it was just the cocoa. It's his yeah, whole this is, world is shifting. We could do this for the next three hours. Look at that. <laughs> Damn, our secret how we got that blue screen and the cocoa's yeah, revealed here. Right. Yeah, we got phase shifting going on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so okay. it's purple then? Yeah, it is. It is purple. Like you're like back in schools, you when you had the blue construction paper or the purple construction paper, it's that kind of purple sort of color. So um, then the next thing here was this uh, this game here, trivia and some how would you pronounce that? Significa. Significa. Significa? Mm, I guess. <laughs> so, so what I color? I'm not is familiar this? with this one. Oh, so, it just changed it again. Yeah. So it's uh, it is red. So, but I think it's just so Lord Bay Software. Game. I recognize the company, but I don't remember this particular program. Yeah, and so I think it's just a just basically just a trivia game. Whoops, getting some crinkling going on here. Uh, avoid the crinkles. Not a whole lot to the manual, just a two-page here. Uh, manual who playing is to correctly uh, answer one question in each of the nine categories. So I, I'm assuming it must present you with uh, some categories, and you have to get one question right out of each of the nine there. So just a trivia game. I haven't fired it up yet or anything like that. So, again, this looks like it was brand new. So I don't know if, you know, these were all just uh, ones that he had from new old. Yeah, he stuff. did like to support people in the code community. So he would buy software sometimes if he really had no plans to ever use it. Um, the next thing here, and I, sh I, I shared this here about a month or so ago. So I had the Marty's Nightmare, and this one was actually signed by Steve and uh, uh, and Marty. But uh, he also had one that had the software and everything, so I, I took a I took advantage of that and got the one with the software. I'm I believe I had the disc that went with this one. I just haven't been able. I don't know where if it got separated. Uh, um, but uh, so I got uh, got the matching disc now with that one. So I'm oh, sure know it's right next like. to that other Coco Two kit you have laying around somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> and for those that aren't familiar with that game, that was a tribute to Marty uh, Goodman. That was sold, and he's programmed especially for the Atlanta Cocoa Fest in 1990, I believe. Yeah, maybe I 91. So. Uh, the next thing here is just some uh, manuals. I don't have the software for it, so he just kind of almost kind of like threw these in, though. But, uh, whoops. This was in there. This yeah, was that was a graphics editor similar to Color Max and Cocoa Max uh, for the Cocoa 3 specifically, but actually used a PC mouse that Dave Dice put up. And then here was uh, Mine Rescue. We've seen this one kind of popping up on eBay, people selling this one. Yeah, I have this one, too, because uh, Steve sold it directly with SRB Software, so I bought it at Coco then, Fest. Uh, here's Warp, Fire, uh, Warp Fighter 3D by Steve York. Did it include the glasses? No, nope, this is just this here. So Okay. Go ahead. So. See, that one actually works with 3D glasses, for those of you who haven't tried it before. See, that's where I kind of wonder some of this stuff. You know, if they go and here's some people that are not Coco. They're just looking at an opportunity to grab some stuff and flip it. If they saw these 3D glasses and thought, oh, this is probably from a movie and then tossed it, you know, or something. So, uh, Well, Steve had the option of, of you being able to get the glasses from him directly or you, if you already had right. some from, you know, magazines back in the day that you would just uh, use your own. Uh, here's another one we've seen popping up here, Bash. Yeah, that's kind of Arkanoid, but not quite fully Arkanoid. So now okay. this is interesting. So this one has been completely assembled. In other words, the top of the bag's folded over and it's stapled and the disc is in it. Yep. For the previous two, he'd gone as far as put the instructions in the bag, but he hadn't added the disc or stapled it shut yet. Right. So you have pre-production examples and one that actually got done. 
<laughs> and if it's here, is this one Cocoa 3 or is this any? Yeah, it's both. It Actually, it's just like the Arkanoid cartridge. It runs on both Cocoa 1, 2 modes or Cocoa 3 mode. The other thing we've seen a lot of Steve York stuff, and he has that like gold black star label. Yeah, I'll say right color computer one, two, three, or just three, yep. or yeah. Yep. And then another one here, and I haven't quite figured this out yet. This one's still in the plastic. Um, oh, cool. That's one of his first programs for the Cocoa period. S E C C or S E C S. That was, it was called that specifically for the, the pun. Oh, okay. <laughs> By Steve York. And uh, yeah, this is one of the very first programs he ever did for Datasoft in early 81. Okay. And I have quite, and looked... for you, you know, that deluxe Cocoa, you've been demonstrating all the fancy screen editing. Yep. That's basically that in software for the okay. Cocoa one. Because <laughs> yeah, it says the screen editor control developed for the color computer. One program provides you with high resolution graphics, su the, the super utility of a advanced editor and sophisticated character uh, generation. Now, this one's not on the archive, so I'd love to see the manual and the software for this one if you got. Yeah. But it was meant to, for uh, developers. And then it kind of, once Extended Basic came out with the edit command, Steve and Datasoft basically quit selling it. So it, says, it does say here uh, requires a color computer 4K. 16k uh, for others so so i'm assuming yep. you could run this on a, a original coco one with just the basic yep. 4k yeah you got extra features with 16k though are you saying you're not going to open that up because it's sealed uh that's a you have to... no, he's hesitating <laughs> <laughs> he's hesitating <laughs> now we need that scanned do it, do it and, last. And you'll have years <laughs> I'm sure he'll get a second one by then. He's, go, he's going. Uh, uh, my, yeah, that's when I found advertised by DataSoft, and I think it was the February or March 1981 bite. It was the very first ad DataSoft did for the Cocoa, and that was one of the programs in it. Okay. And then here's just a here's a drive that he had. Um, unfortunately, though, and I'm not sure how clear this is going to come, but you see these corners here. This was Bent. not packed. It was not packed well. And it cracked the faceplate. This won't even. This oh, one no. closes. This one won't even. This one won't even. It, it, I think uh. I get a disc in here. So kind of unfortunate. This got all kind of beat up. But uh, this was in. It with the group of stuff. So it kind of makes me wonder. Did is this yeah. something that uh, Steve York used when you know sitting in front of his Coco? So well, you'll have to, you'll have to send that to me then. Yeah, <laughs> send the damaged one. Uh, let's see here. And what else do I got here? Okay, so the last thing that um, I wanted to show was, so one of the things that we had talked about was uh, Steve York had done a couple repacks, right? Cocoa 3 repacks. And Cocoa 2s, yep. Yep. And um, so this was actually on an eBay sale here. Um, so let's see here. Let me zoom this out a little bit more. That would be glue. So uh, there we go. That in the screen there for you guys. So the, these were the, this was out there, and it says bad keyboard. Uh, the label was off of it, um, and uh, there was another one as well. And it kind of got me, you know. But it said just the case only. So if I take the cover off here, you can see that all that's in here is the uh, the cord that was uh, desoldered from the from the transformer, which is not even in here. This is just the cage that was in there, and just the keyboard. And so what kind of makes me wonder is. That's was why the this, the, was this the machine? Was this the machine that Steve Bjork took his motherboard out or the system board out to put into his repack? Very well, could be, and that—that's the one we believe was stolen from his uh, storage unit that he mentioned before. So, there's, yeah, there's nothing. 
Yep. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. So I got that. And then let's let see me the bottom. You, you want to see the bottom? Yeah. Nothing special. Just your just the normal, yep. the normal stuff there. Yep. No, uh, okay. no unusual marks there. Uh, then one other one here. Ah, so, power LED or something on the upper right. Yeah. So uh, kind of a similar situation here, and I got the screws out of this one. Whoops. Now this one here actually has this. Looks like it might have done like a keyboard extender on it. Uh, it's a fake uh -huh. Coco. <laughs> so this was here there and uh so it's so a foco just a nine pin right. den here so i'm wondering <laughs> if he just didn't do some sort of a um a keyboard homemade keyboard extension but again there's no board in it but it does have the uh yeah so uh, there's a, a keyboard in a case on your desk and then the repack. yeah extended back kind of like um i can't remember who made the three foot extender and six foot extender cables but people would just have the little ribbon cable coming out of the case and yep. sit on their couch with the keyboard in their lap yeah, it's just like how I did it. So that's a button. So it looks like he ground a um, hole in the back there. Yeah. Where your yeah. finger sticking up. Uh, no, those, cool. those are the normal cut holes. This is where your composite would be in your, your cassette, your video and power and reset. Yeah, well, the LED is so new, obviously, which is and, probably a power yeah. light. Well, you yep. need the power light because there's nothing else to let you know that you forgot and left the computer on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for that. Yeah, it doesn't get hot anymore. You're right. <laughs> There's no screen on that either. Yep. So these uh these these two were listed as a as a as a um a package deal out there, these two uh, cases there. But again, it just kind of makes me wonder if like one of these two wasn't the uh the repack. I, I kind of lean more towards the first one I shared, only because right. the label's gone. And would he would he have taken that off? Yeah, and probably put it on the uh tower case or whatever he had put, it in. Put it on the tower case there. So Anyway, so uh -huh. I I thought I'd grab those there. I might I may try to reuse them in some way. You know, you could. Uh, um, I I do have a Coco Three board that does not have a uh, a home uh, a case for it. So I may put that. Yeah, if you upgrade to to two meg, you can get one of those new two meg replacement stickers and put there one back on. Put it right on there. <laughs> so, yeah. right so anyway, um, Cloud Nine yes. includes that. I'm sorry, Bob. Cloud Nine includes that label if you get the RAM upgrade from them. Oh, okay. Uh, 12 or 2 meg. Okay, you'll need a you keyboard fix from Rick. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Buddy's going to make a few bucks off of this one. Yeah. That's right, buddy. <laughs> Looking out for you, buddy. Might need right. some type of display adapter, too, while you're at it. Yeah, yeah probably so. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, that's all I wanted to share with you guys today um, was these few items that I that I got. And I uh, was it maybe about a month or so ago, I uh, I we went through that whole big box of uh, um, newsletters and stuff, newsletters and stuff like that. And that, that also came from the same seller. So this was just some other items. I, I didn't have these uh, yet. These were in transit when, uh, when I was sharing that on the show. So that could be his handwriting right there. Well, that could be. Yep. Well, right. That'd be interesting. You've got to find some handwriting now. Let's have it analyzed. Get yeah. sleuthy. Let's send this out to the lab. Let's see here. We literally just had his autograph on the Marty's Nightmare. So, well, you know what? Okay, so I'll look at see this B right there, where the 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 bottom of the B is kind of more of an, an angle. Let's see here. Let, let me go. Let me zoom this in just a little bit. So maybe uh, maybe you guys might be onto something here. Enhance. Right. There we go. So now turn it purple. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. See how the bottom of the B there kind of goes kind of at a 45 degree angle? Yeah, but the second B is fixed better. 
right? Uh, maybe this bee. I think the bees look different. Uh, the signature. Look, who knows? You need. You it's need also you know, cursive versus yeah, yeah, regular exactly. writing. So I, I really think this has yet to be determined. Uh, there you go. Bada bump. You can cotton swab the keyboard for DNA. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Time for another edition of Good Idea, or Bad Idea. Are we going to grow our own Steve York or something now? Is that what Make you're trying to Hey. <laughs> Steve York. Net. So, anyway, so rest in peace, Steve. And uh, here's some stuff that uh, I'll, uh, I'll get marked and we'll uh, probably share more. Uh, won't, maybe not this. Uh, this Cocoa Fest, but maybe a, maybe a Cocoa Fest in the future, maybe I can bring all this stuff for display. Yeah, you got enough to display at this one already, so. <laughs> right? Yeah, so definitely. People, be at the Cocoa Fest and just, just go visit Brian's booth. You can skip the rest of us. There's so much cool stuff. He's oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, go around. Just please stop and introduce yourself if I've never met you. But uh, get around to everybody. And if you're Grant... <laughs> just hanging around in the bathroom and just live stream it. That's all. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, really? That's where the, that's is, is that the overflow room where you need a plunger? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up, Jason. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for, Grant. <laughs> Anyhow, I believe. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you, Brian. Oh. And I do want to say, by the way, that was not a jock strap that we saw. <laughs> it was a fanny pack. That was bad. <laughs> just up a little higher. That just goes around on the other side, doesn't it? Anyway, I believe we had some other presentations too of uh, acquisitions, etc. Correct, uh, Mark? Uh, let's see. Frederick had something to talk about. Sure. Oh, by the way, I got my tickets two days ago with my plane tickets to go to Google Fest. Awesome. Hey. We'll see you I'm there. Definitely going. <laughs> You're committed yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. So last week. <laughs> Careful using the word committed with us. <laughs> <laughs> those aren't fancy tickets, they're plane tickets. <laughs> and say getting a Google Fest t shirt, you get one of those special shirts that adds to no, no sleeves, yeah. you know. <laughs> Very fashionable. Uh, well, last week I talked to you about the um, uh, ver the simulation I did for the MMU, and uh, I could swap between tasks one and two and whatnot. And uh, now I've had this uh, somebody named L. Dot uh, Curtis Boyle. I don't know. Not too sure about his Some name. Some loser. Yeah, he yeah, told you me gotta that, watch that you know, guy. it'd be really nice if we could actually have access to all 32 tasks. So I went into picking and redesigned my thing. And actually, in the simulation, it works. I can actually take the four and the four bits that are unused uh, on the, you know, the task. Uh, Register select on the gimme. Yeah. There's four other bits. That makes a total of 32. So I'm able to swap between all 32 tasks now. And I'm actually right now creating, not, not creating, but assembling it right here. So this Look at is that the wipe. MMU portion. That was awesome. 
Yeah, look at that. Can, you, can you do a star wipe too? That's awesome. He's showing you like a 32 task MMU on a six or nine board, and you guys are more concerned about the look wipe. At the effect. wipe, man. Oh, really good. You guys are on the wrong show, man. <laughs> Making me look bad. Oh, oh, look, at look at that. Look at that effect. That that just so much I think you just blew the whole production budget for this entire year on that effect. Are you gonna be on the virtual Cocoa Fest? We might as well just hand the show to Frederick now and just uh, let him run the show from yeah, now on. Just, so it has the professionalism that we lack. We have. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's basically it's all next next week probably I'll have it working. Uh, I'll be able got? to show it off. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad you actually got that working. I know Jim Brain had tried doing something like that earlier, but uh, I think there was some questions on how to actually change the red the MMU blocks for each task. That was a bit of an issue. And then, of course, people taking the time to write drivers. And at that time, I was busy. So my EOU to a real release. Oh, we're losing Curtis. Oh, yep. or is it me? Oh. So no, yeah, it's, Curtis. It's, it's Curtis. It's at Curtis. Damn Canadian internet. Oh, well, it's... it's uh, <laughs> We, we do have sunspots you have to thaw today. out the internet lines. There's sunspots out there that are causing havoc with communications, you know. Yeah. That happened at AT&T? AT That's from the <laughs> astronomy department of uh, the Coco Nation. It seems to be coming back now. Uh, was that me that was yeah. having the problem? Because I saw a whole yeah. bunch of people yeah. go blank. Yeah, nope, you're fine. You. Everybody <laughs> pointed to you when you were gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you didn't see it because I was watching like uh, like the squares here. I was watching people just freeze or disappear completely, but others were still going. So I didn't know what the heck was going on. Did anyway, you you're in the middle of saying something. Yeah. Did you check? I, I believe you. I believe you were cut off at blah 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 blah. Oh, blah blah <laughs> blah 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 blah. That's uh, the finish of my speech and also Eric or Alex Lifeson's speech for when the. Uh, and Rush got into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure Bob Emery knows that. Indeed. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyone else have any uh, project updates? I think I could I could give you a little update here. Yeah, I think I Nick think... had one too, if I remember a little one. If, but if, Jason, you can go first. If if my update will will uh, will cooperate, uh, I'd like to have it have a little not really an acquisition, but I did adopt another kitty here, and uh, his name. He's being uncooperative right now. He doesn't want. Are you not ready for your close? <laughs> one out. One out. One out. One out. Oh, but here's Buster. He's just. I'm just gonna go ahead and let him do his thing there. I guess. I guess I interrupted some uh, valuable. Uh, is that a twisty tie you had down there, bud? Mm -hmm. uh, there you are. Is that better? So you have, so you have two now? No, just one. Um, oh, okay. No, uh, the, my 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 previous cat Rocky, who appeared on uh, the previous iteration of this program he did he passed away back in uh, about mid of 22 so but this uh this little guy here here's buster and uh so he, he's been uh walking on my keyboard and everything there and uh but i i adopted him about a month ago i think it was uh it was over the martin luther king holiday so but he's got I, I, obviously he has other important cat things to do right now but yeah. <laughs> there's your That's... there's the addition to the coco nation family with a with another coco cat Hey, well, that's non-consensual non cuddling if I've ever seen it. Yeah, herding cats. <sighs> it, it, you know what? It, it's that's just, it's show just like any other cat. It just depends on their mood. <laughs> and uh, he was bugging me earlier when Brian was participating up on my lap. Pay attention to me. But now he's he's got a twisty tire or something he's chasing around right now. So, Sorry, Mark B., you were saying something too? 
Yeah, I just got a fresh scratch today. Just a minute ago. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I go on yesterday. It's on my <laughs> finger right there. She was rubbing uh, uh, her face on the keyboard, and that's uh, not good when you're streaming live. So my <laughs> wife of 50 years asked me why the show goes so long. This was yeah. rabbit holes. Hey, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really clear on this, Ron, but how long you been married? Fifty. Anyhow, uh, Nick Marentes, <laughs> I believe you had a small update to do too, didn't you? Or no, something to talk about? No, I didn't have one. Oh, I thought so you his said... update is there's no update. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I thought there was something you said you were going to show that wasn't related to your game project, but... No, it wasn't me. Okay. Well, I have a real quick okay. update if you guys want to see it. Obviously, oh, sure. Sitting here working on it, I built myself another new keyboard here. The second one of Mr. Dave's uh, boards. Got a real red brake key this time. <laughs> but more importantly, this keyboard has a win key. So, game on challenge. You guys better look out. All I have to do oh, is so just win, win key. Win. And we're all... <laughs> I want to go plug that into a slot machine at a casino now. <laughs> right. And then I've been working on this little uh, the USB keyboard adapter, so I'm still lacking a couple of minor parts, but nice. hopefully next weekend I'll have this going. And we'll get a further update on your joystick when we get to your video on the news, too. So, Yep, yep. Teaser. Mm-hmm. That's all I got for now. Okay, cool. I think that's it for updates and acquisitions. Of course, if you want uh, big updates, there'll be follow Mark and uh, all the virtual Cocoa Fest, the one presentation this evening or afternoon, depending where you are, I guess. And then four in a row or five in a row tomorrow? Four in a row, plus a couple in the morning. So, Okay. We're ready for our first break and then game on results afterwards. Sure. Hey, Amy. Hey, Taylor. We're It's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo, and joined by that dastardly The Brent from ARG Presents. You're watching Coco Nation. I feel like that should have been longer. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gayer, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Ascom, Coconut Bob, Daddy Burrito, David Ladd, Derek Smithson, Diego BF109, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Wabke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Kevin Holloway, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, 
Rob Binman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, TJB Chris, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom S, and William A. Thing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Nobody says, greetings and salutations. My name is Scott P., and back in the day within the Coco community, I was known as Nobody, of the Nobody's Home Bulletin Board System in North Central Florida. Originally, I started computing on a TI-99 4A, then upgraded to a Coco 1, 2, and 3, and from 16K basic up to 2 meg RAM, OS 9 level 2. Hello to all my old friends and acquaintances from the 20th century. I look forward to meeting you again. John S. says, To many in the Coco community I require no introduction. I own Strongware, and I've been active in the Coco community since the early days. Strongware had its fest booth at the first last annual CocoFest. Strongware shared that booth with Sabitha. Before that, Eversoft published a few of my programs. In my day job I'm a senior software engineer. Besides software, I do some hardware designing, and 3D printing. Soulman PT says, I always wanted a Coco 3, but in 1989 I was in 6th grade, and my parents didn't trust computers back then. If I buy a disk drive for one computer, it won't work if we get a different one later. So I learned how to program from a book called How to Invent Your Own Computer Games. That seemed to be very computer agnostic. I finally got a computer a year later, when one of dad's friends was throwing out a Coco 2 and a computer cassette player. I'm Petey. BPU says, your name? Darren. Your systems? So far I have built various S100 boards, a ECB system from Retrobrew and have bought and repaired a Casio PB100F and a TRS-80 color computer too. How do you retro? Build, fix, try to make better and program. Where did you hear about us? Heard about the Discord channel from the Cocopedia site. Looking for? I want to discuss the same with other like-minded folk. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Boysen, Glenside Computer Club, Micro Hobbyist Frederick, Paul Fiscarelli, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. See you on Discord! Welcome everybody to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week the right one? results video. That is not the right one. Brad. This week we played Eliminator. What happens when you don't come to rehearsal? We had a total of 14 players. Forgot to flip it over this morning. They were Buck Owens with eight. You can stop it. There we go. I've seen Buck Owens on the opposite side of the list. Welcome everybody <laughs> to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played King Tut. We had a total of 17 players. We had Mr. Dave 6309 with 6,000, Annie with 9,100, 
Mark O, 19,300. Henry III, 22,000. Mike, 23,800. Low level, 29,400. Jim Rye, 33,800. Sabhead, 40,800. Sloopy Malibu, 41,100. Dr. Ted, 42,600. Coconut Bob, 45,700. L. Curtis Boyle, 50,600. Shenley, 53,900. Canadian Retro Things, 56,300. Buck Owens, 74,300. Retro Rick, 87,500. And this week's number one score belongs to... Tasman with 109,600. Thanks everybody that played. We'll see you again next week. And the Cocoa Nation salutes Tasman. Yeehaw! Salute! He's the Tasman. Hey, hey, the So a decisive win by Tasman. Yeah, that's an impressive score. That is a very impressive score. Although he said that once you beat level five, it actually is quite easy to get a whole bunch more points going through the other levels. Um, yeah, so I looked for some reviews of this game. I found a lot of reviews for King Tut, but they're always a different game than this one. <laughs> so none of those reviews count. You didn't find well, any? There's, there's a Steve Martin any, song. No. Um, I found some for a basic King Tut game, and I found some for one that had all kinds of different treasures like diamonds and whatnot, so finding keys, so I'm going to guess that wasn't the game. Oh, I, I could have sworn there was one. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of where everything is in every single magazine ever, pub, ever published like you, Curtis, but... Well, I just use the rainbow index and then that extra index that I made of all the other magazines. Well, I did too, but um So if you didn't find it, it's not there. Wasn't listed. <clears throat> At least there's nothing listed as being a um review. That's too bad because it's actually quite a fun game. <clears throat> a little frustrating at times. It can be. And uh few people complained about the hitbox on um when you're going up against the King Tut ghost. I I Assume that the hitbox can be whatever it is around a ghost because it could just scare you to death. Because <laughs> yeah. that invisible plasma that got you that time. Yeah. You got slimed. That's what happened. No, it's a, it's a good game. It's um it's got you know five levels. The the whole lighting system when your candle's running out, I thought it's cool. The fact yeah. you can go back and recharge it without having to, you know, basically run out of the timer and basically die if you don't know where you are and where the ladders are. It uh means that you can go recharge it and kind of extend your life. The timer doesn't kill you off like a lot of games back then did. So I'm, I was pretty happy with it. It's, it's a fun And thankfully, game. one of the things that I did like about it too is that when you pick up a treasure and if you die on the way of bringing it back, the treasure stays where you died. It doesn't return to the yes. spot where... So. Especially if it's one of those really distant spots you have to go looping around tunnels and stuff to get to in the first place because if it went back there every time, I wouldn't play the game. Yeah, that was always a frustrating thing in a lot of games where it would just reset everything. It's like, oh, come on, all that progress I made. Yeah, exactly. Did anybody else on the panel uh, have anything to say about the game? 
Bob, how was it without the win button? Um, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try it with the win button and see. I didn't plus try your, it with plus the your new joystick too, I guess. Yeah, I've actually had a little bit of uh, issues with it. It's one of the pots. I think it's the vertical one. Uh, kind of like loses contact and you'll suddenly find yourself going straight up or straight down opposite to what you're holding the stick. Yeah, that wouldn't work too well in King Tut at all. <laughs> no, it really works bad on uh, Popstar, but. Oh, and I see uh, in the comments, uh, Michael Zweifel is blaming his cold on why his score was uh, only 23,800. Said it's a hard game to play when you have a cold. Of course, I I, I will agree with that. Actually, not being sarcastic, as if I'm really sick, I I do crappy at games too. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, that's true. And if you're not sick, you just pretend to be sick when you're doing crappy at a game. Right. <laughs> I guess I'm always sick. Yeah. You're just sick, Mark. You're sick. <laughs> yeah, Mark must be on death's door. I think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anybody else in yeah. the panel? Give it a shot. <clears throat> I know a famous anybody? game designer Nick Morantes never plays anybody else's game, so I'm sure he didn't try it. No, I didn't. <laughs> Alas, I wasn't there. You never tried the game at all during the two weeks? No, my well, the last week was my daughter was here, so forget that. And well, you could have had her working. play too. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> come on the color computer is fun for the whole family that's true you got to get the whole family involved in the game on challenge <laughs> um yeah so i don't know what else to say about the game but it's actually was uh quite an enjoyable game yeah, if you haven't tried it yet, I would definitely recommend giving it a shot. It's it's, it's it wasn't it's fun. some some people didn't like it. It some people it wasn't their cup of tea, but I mean, it's definitely in the kind of platformer style of game. So, if you're a f more of a fan of the platform style arcade games like Donkey Kong and whatnot, then it's probably a little bit more up your alley. Um, yeah, it was a good one. And Not great, the, but it was good. Yeah. It was definitely a game I wouldn't have been disappointed owning back in the day <laughs> if I had bought it. There's a few games that yeah. when I bought yeah, them, yeah, it you was picked like, a whole month's uh, worth of those you're talking yeah. about there, I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm this this month or this <clears throat> next game that I have chosen, which we will find out in a little bit. I'm sure everybody, as soon as they see it, will be like Oh, man. Yeah, you couldn't yes. even get past February without picking another bad one. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it Neutroid again? <laughs> oh, come on. Is that even a game? Cruel. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be the next title? Neutroid again? It's a recharged and reloaded. Neutroid, comma again? Question mark. That's yeah. the next. The next Coming version coming soon from Nick Morantes in Australia. Neutroid again? 
<laughs> the blunder from down under. poor nick (laughs) and he got up really early in the morning for this (laughs) (laughs) hey at least we're leaving grant alone now still is grant appreciation day here on the coco nation show (laughs) we'll get back to that real soon i love that tagline i'm gonna remember that one that's a good one the blunder from down under. <laughs> the blunder from down under. I'm going to actually print out a nice little thing and stick it on my Neutroid game package for that one. We need, we need like a lower third for Nick Morenti's The blunder from down under. Oh. Sad thing uh, is, he only blundered on one game out of his entire career. So that's, that's kind of unfair. But, but that make was sure you make sure it's up. But it was down. the same game six times that he yeah. did it. Yeah, multiple blunders. I guess you're right. <laughs> Non-believers. <laughs> <laughs> we woke them up. There it is. The rest of his games were thunder from down under. Where so, were we? <laughs> okay, back back to the games. Yes. The other game that we played this week was uh, Desert Rider. Um. Yeah, I don't really know of any tips or tricks for this game other than don't hit things and don't forget to slow down in real sharp corners so you actually can move your yeah. car to avoid things. Jump a little ahead of time when you're trying to jump over potholes or oil chunks or whatever. You can jump over the other cars too, so that's a bit harder because they are moving as well, so they you have less forgiveness um, for that. Yeah, you have to time it much better. You know, I'm not sure if I tried it. When you're in the middle of a jump, can you change direction? I don't believe so. No. Not from what I remember. I do like, I think on boot up, you can hit, hold down the clear button and you can get an alternate color set if you're not wanting to use uh, artifact also. Yeah, if you set a couple pallets ahead of time and then use that clear trick, you can actually get it in color on RGB monitor on a Google 3. Yeah, I just got to figure out what the palette changes are. I'm not sure because it's the, it's not the, uh, the standard yeah, three, it's... Palette, it's the uh, it's the other one and i i don't know off the top of my head yeah so i remember I... i've done that before and nick even made some stuff for the coco stc we made a menu to redo pallets on certain games this one i don't think was one of them no it wasn't so on the uh on the archive uh, there's two versions of the game one basic one uh binary what's the difference between those two i think the basic one just loads the uh other one up well, they're on two different discs. Oh. Well, I think originally when I remember having this from Radio Shack, it was one of the ones you could just use the DOS command or you had yeah. to type in a little program for the run asterisk command if you didn't have that on your Coco. Yeah, so somebody might have just renamed the asterisk program to Desride 2 or something like that. Or maybe it sets spells for the Coco 3. I don't even know. <clears throat> I, I used the copy I already had here before the archive even started, so I didn't. Well, there was the command in the early basics, wasn't it? I think the early basics didn't have DOS. Right. Yeah, this right. one 1.0 did not have DOS. It had yeah, bugs so instead. That's why you needed the basic program. Otherwise, never, you could get in and just type DOS. I never tried to use the bugs command. It's on the trash directory for you. He would never notice because you could get disks to work anyway. Mm. It was pretty bad. <laughs> 
But yeah, that's a fun one. That's actually, uh, to me, that's one of the Coco's hidden gems because it's kind of a combination of bump and jump and pole position in one game. Unfortunately, you can't jump up in the air and land on your opponents and kill them. No. I tried that. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually uh, done by Steve Bjork, but it was also co-done with the Color America Users Group, which is an active Coco group that he was part of in the Los Angeles area. I'm not sure what they had to do with the game. That was something we were going to ask him if we ever got a chance to interview him, but uh, unfortunately that never happened. So, Actually, uh, Tony, uh, was it Capelli, who uh, lives in the Bay Area now, I guess, was was part of that group as well. He was uh, telling me some info about it. So he might be able to provide some background info. Or sure. I'd, I'd love to have that. I mean, add that stuff to my site. Okay. I will chat with him. Yeah, it might be interesting. Bring somebody like that to see if they want to come on the show and talk about the color computer user group. Yeah. Oh, something else he mentioned too. He said that uh, Sands of Egypt was a game, I guess, that Steve wrote. He yeah. said that if you had an original disc and you went to a show, Steve had a modifier program that would add to it. And I think it played music when it started up. And so you could only get that after the fact. After buying Oh, I didn't know game. that at all. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. <clears> so maybe we should have Tony come on. <laughs> I'll chase him down. Because I do have an original Sands of Egypt disc here, so. I wonder if he has that modified version. That might be uh, a candidate for the uh, uh, Grease Weasel. I don't think Tony does, because I think he got rid of it when he sold all his color computer stuff back mm. years ago. But Because he said something about being on the lookout for that, because it would be a, a rare thing. So if anybody out there has a copy of Sands of Egypt where it plays music at the beginning, get a hold of us. We want to see it. Brian Weasler, you have homework to do. How many copies of Sands of Egypt do you have? Like 42? Got a lot to check. You're, you're going to have to check all those. <laughs> and he's on mute. Probably a good idea. <laughs> oh, he's look, looks like he's, uh, he's already right got now. one. He's having another car wash moment. <laughs> he's got to go out to the uh, he's got to go out to the warehouse and. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would give some of us people that do disassembly a bit of an incentive too to actually just start hunting through and see if we can find where the music code is, and then just figure out how to link it back in. I uh, pulled up Tony's message to me. It says in a bag. he says if he brought Steve an original Stands of Egypt disc, he would run a special program that wrote music to it. So when the game loaded, it played this neat tune that had an Egyptian feel to it. He did huh. this on my diskette, but I sold all my Coco gear and software in the mid '90s. Anyway, so. So is it is it, it Steve was enabling music that was already there to run, or was he know. adding or to it? I, mean, I think it might have been added. Um, Tony oh, didn't okay. say, it, but it sounds like it was. If it wasn't there, was if, if it was there, it wasn't enabled. But if it you know if it wasn't there, he added it, and then it you know. Now to bring it full voice. circle, was it the King Tut song from Steve Martin? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Was, now I'm really intrigued. I want to. I want to hear that. I know Dallas Quest does have music in its. It's kind of the the sequel of one of those animated adventure games. But eighties hit walk, walk like an Egyptian. What did the software come in? Well, I originally in had it on. With the picture. Yeah, Sands of Egypt came on a disc for the Coco. That was the only way it was sold. Right. But it was in a bag, right? With the was, artwork. Oh no! Yeah. No, it had a full, full, full size eight and a half by eleven manual right. and with a color cover. Yeah. But it was in a bag. It was in a well, plastic. Well, no, no Tandy yeah. sold it, didn't they? Yeah, Tandy did. Yeah, Tandy yeah, sold so it one in, of their a, in a book. Yeah. That's it yeah. right there. Oh, okay. Was, I have there's a the big one. They also have the little. That's it. 
that's what I got right there. I think. So I better, uh, well, I haven't loaded this up yet, so I better uh, load it up and see if well, I have one it. of the rare copies. Yeah. And if Tony knows any of the other people from that club, if he, like you said, he doesn't have the discs anymore himself that he got modified. Some of the other people in the club, I'm sure, did. I wonder if they still have them, that we can at least get a copy in the archive. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's him. any that Send are in the right uh, estate or were in the sta estate. Did Sands of Egypt come out for the Atari? Yes. So the Atari And the Apple II. Well, I wonder if the Atari version at least might have had the music and he just tried to do the same on the Coco. Yeah, I mean, we already had multi-voice music out there from um, other software, so no reason he couldn't have. <clears throat> I'll have a look for the Atari version and see if that's got music. I'm pretty sure it does if I remember. The Apple II one obviously does not. Would have been really poor music. Yeah. Paper music. Okay. Cool. Well, getting back to uh the game on challenge. Yep. Any tips for Desert Rider though, other than the uh you know, jump ahead of time a little bit and Oh, slow down on corners, feet. sharp corners. Well, I, I could say one tip. If you're running it on a Coco 3 and you're using a composite monitor, just go ahead and do the uh, F1 reset before you even load the game so you'll have the right color set. Okay. And uh, a few people did ask in the or in the uh, Discord chat. Um, I didn't put down what level we're playing on, so it's easy. It's a hard enough game that easy is uh, challenging. Yeah, you'll be able to waste through the first few tracks once you get playing a bit, but you know, getting four and five and up and past that, then it, it's yeah. challenging even on easy. So, cool. So that's our game for yet one more week. What have you yep. got planned to screw us over on this next weekend? Well, I'm not going to tell you that yet. First, I have to. Uh, well, oh, yeah, live. Got to go with the live show. Not here, so I got to talk about the live show. So, um, which I think had the one of the largest attendances at once we've had in a while, didn't it? Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, we had a really good turnout. Um, so here we have seven people playing. Um, I think I did we have. I see at least four of them running the wrong artifact colors. Yep, I saw that too. <laughs> now we have eight people playing. So it was a good turnout then. So not only did King Tut have uh, one of our best showings for uh, scores for quite a, um, quite a few weeks now, we also had more people in playing this week for the live show. And, uh, you know, who's to say it's got to be an orange or a blue um track jason I, and i are purists yeah i've never <clears throat> seen a blue desert and uh but what what, is, what was henry the third running was he emulating because that looks really cool. yeah that looked closer to the real coco like i'm using vcc in mine here because that's something i can share the screen with but uh henry was running a later version of main with a much better artifacting and that's actually what it looks like on a yes. tv better back in the day Absolutely. That's that was what I was getting towards. Yeah. yeah. Up top yeah. top center there if you're looking at yeah, that that that, that, Red that is artifact analog beautifulness right there, at least at this size, so I can see from here. That that's awesome. Well yeah. see, I was I was you actually had yellow sand. With the uh with the blue track and the orange sky, I was just pretending it was um at uh sunset 
and I was racing down a river. Stretching right. it a bit there, Ken. Yeah, uh, it's I, I didn't. <laughs> it's getting a little deep in here. Let's go well, retcon, boys and girls. Hey, those three, <laughs> those three wheelers had big tires. You could float them a little bit. When did this game come out? Eighty four or eighty five? Yeah, because this is one of the first games that I played on the Coco when I first got it. And, Jeez, uh, why didn't you come and play it on the show then, Ron? Because there was too many people on. I wanted to be the only one. <laughs> Well, make oh, sure you submit a score. At least you've actually played this game, so no more excuses on this one. You can you can submit yeah. a score. Well, you can come on and we'll just I really you. like. I mean, if they're, you know, if you got to think, uh, I just want to relax and blow up things, you know, or crash. But yeah, for the, the the what Henry's looking at there, that's what I remember on the old TVs. That's like you got the extra yellows and the the much brighter. Or darker reds and stuff, so that looks a lot closer to the original. Wait a minute. Okay, so um, yeah, we had a good turnout, so I'm hoping that uh, this upcoming week on Thursday night in the Game On Challenge Live uh, Twitch, uh, not Twitch, uh, Discord channel, We'll have even more people than this. So, um, yeah, that's at, uh, I don't care what time it is for you guys. For me, it's five o'clock in Thursday nights. So, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, but, but, 8 p.m. Eastern, most 7 Central here. Five o'clock for me. It's yeah, five o'clock Ken time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's, well, what time is it in Australia and Guam while we're at it? <laughs> How about Newfoundland? What time is it in Newfoundland? Oh, it's probably what? It's probably 8 30 or 9 30. One of the two. I think it would be 8 30 Newfoundland time. Yeah, because I think that's one of those half an hour time zones. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is one of those half so hour one and a half zones. hours less in Eastern. Not anymore. Well, I was just in the I'm, I'm, I'm not low. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, not low. Don't worry. It'll be all confused here in a few weeks when, uh, when we I'm start changed. daylight saving time here in the U.S. Yay! Move it all again. Not me. I don't do that crap. Yeah, you don't do that. Well, most I know. I know. Uh, Ron is Ron doing it. No, nope, yeah. I don't. We're the smart you ones. That, you get that relative motion, and that everyone else did. So you've got to do the math anyway. It just uh, yeah. The only thing I never stuff. liked about Saskatchewan is then it changed all the times that all the shows that I like to watch came on. Uh, you mm, called yeah. it Newfoundland. I thought it was Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. Both are acceptable. It just depends yeah. on who. Uh, you can call it Vinland if you want to. Go back to the Viking times. <laughs> and Ken, about all the time that shows being on at the wrong times, that's how I feel like when I'm in Chicago, when I'm just one hour different from home. It's like everything's on at the wrong time. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> also, just a little side note for those who don't know, if uh, you wanted to you know, figure out who's the most earliest proven discoverer of America, that was in Newfoundland too. It was not Columbus. Yep, that was the Vikings in Newfoundland. Yeah, one thousand and one eighty. Yeah. Well, I learned it was the uh, people that came across the Bering Straits and came well, into North America. They were the original inhabitants. The, but if you look for ah. Europeans that discovered America, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Ron's going back to the land bridge. <laughs> what do I mean, Europeans? People yeah. from Europe. From Europe. <laughs> no, I, I was talking about bathroom. 
And that's another one for Grant Appreciation Day here on the Coco Nation Show. At no additional charge. <laughs> yes. We pass the savings on to you. You notice that Frederick is ignoring our bad jokes and actually getting work done. Yeah, I gotta get some work done. <laughs> All right. Well, how about we uh, take a look at? Uh, so we'll be playing Dessert Rider for one more week. Dessert Rider. <laughs> no, I want a Sunday. I'll have the meringue card, please. Yeah, the blue thing. So, Desert Rider for one more week, and now, actually, Curtis, you're going to like this game. I know you are. Oh. Well, you recommended it. Did I? Oh boy. Ah, yes, I did. This would be a fun one. Mm, it's another it? space game. It's a space game. It's another Star Trek. Is it, is it space? Yeah, you Does nailed that one, Mark. Joystick. Ice rig. Yes. I'm done for. And Nick got it. Look at that. Yep. So, for those of you that didn't hear Nick, it is dun dun dun. dun. Space ah, rig. Space wreck. So this, this is, based... is a 3D wireframe real time version of the Star Trek simulator from the arcade. Yeah, you guys played that. So you're well, the that explains ship. that's how wreck is spelled with a K then only. Yep. <laughs> they didn't want to get it um, sued, yeah, so they changed it from Star Trek to Space Wreck. Definitely not Trek, right? Well, it, it's yeah. funny. Back in the late '90s, I worked for a computer store, and they called it Trek Computers, and they spelled it with a C instead of a K. Probably not to get sued. I think that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was a space theme in one part of it. So, yeah, exactly. The one thing I found cute about this, and maybe this is a game we should play at Cocoa Fest since the theme is going to be Star Wars, is that the initial role that explains the game long, long ago type thing is yes. based on Star Wars, even though the game is a clone of Star Trek. Yeah. So it's got the scrolling off into the Text distance. going off in the distance type thing, yeah. It's a 3D wireframe, basically. It's uh, it's actually pretty advanced. I've I've seen some other Star Trek simulator clones on other 8-bit machines, and most of them use sprites and don't really use the 3D effects. And this actually does the wireframe 3D, so your cubes and spinning cubes and stuff actually come out in 3D. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, a split screen, so you've got three sections of the screen, one showing the status of your ship, one showing an overhead view, and one showing kind of the front. The bottom part shows the front view of what's in front of you. Joystick required, Coco 1, 2, or 3, 32K, might, or does it run 16? I can't even remember now. I think it's 32, but... Yeah. Bob, just... you like that composite, don't you? It looks pretty good out of this computer. It's the only output I have. Well, it's a good game, and uh, I definitely would recommend giving it a shot, especially if you're a Star Trek fan, and I you like played Bob. the... Uh, Arcade game. game. Yeah, so uh, Taylor and Amy, if you're watching this, I'm expecting as yes. I know you're Star Trek fans, so I expect <laughs> to see your scores posted for this game. Yeah, we'll have to remind them on their channel and the WhatsApp too. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. And I'm not reading Ken's uh, comment on air. Now I'm gonna not have to me, look. Ken. By the way, not me. This was Ken Braggard. <laughs> oh, it's a phase shift question. Oh, I'll have to. Mm. Oh, by the way, we're talking about the discovery of America's in Newfoundland. Tom Eric Gunderson in the chat. I forgot to mention. So that was us, the Vikings. He's from where the Vikings came from. 
Minnesota. Not too good as a football team, right? <laughs> yes, the football team were the original ones to. You're, to you're only a millennium <laughs> off there, Jason. That's what... hut, hut, hut. Is that all? I'm, I'm close then. <laughs> all right, Jason, you got to talk to your brother. I, 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 I yeah, I'll, I'll review yeah. that with him later when I uh, get a chance. <laughs> He should yeah, go seek some mental help. Yeah, I think we're, I'm, we're I'm going to give him a strong talking to. Actually, I, I, <laughs> I kind of I can guess what uh, Ken's next uh, video game might be. <laughs> Brian, Weaver his own his top. own private Star Trek uh, simulator. <laughs> Brian Weasler has a top uh, echelon for the language thing. Right, Brian. Look. <laughs> 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 Anyway, so that's the game for the next two weeks. And uh, yeah, if you if you guys like the Star, if you like Star Trek, or if you like the Star Trek Simulator from the arcade back in the day, which is a a color vector game, if I remember correctly, um, this is a pretty good clone of it. Also, live Thursdays, eight p.m. Eastern. Join yes. Ken and Sloopy, and or maybe just Ken because Sloopy never shows up here anymore. But anyway. Uh. <laughs> Plus everybody else that uh, shows up there on a regular basis, like our unpaid intern, Jim Rye, yep, our backup him. streamer, Mark B. Also the reader of the documentation, Mark yes, B. Yes, our dramatic, dramatic documentation reading. reader, Mark B. Yep, and mispronouncer. Yes, chief mispronouncer. <laughs> that's what makes it fun. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the game on. What's up next? I uh, believe we have some news, possibly. Yep. I got news. I got a little bit of game on news, not a ton. And I've also got the announcements, of course, of upcoming shows. So did you want to do a break and I hit all three? Or do you want to take get me uh, do one of them and then hit a break? Or what do you want to do? Yeah, we can do a break. Okay. Let's see. Which one am I doing this week? Ah, number two. Hi, I'm Terry Stegge from Retro Tech Time and the Tandy Shack, and you're watching The Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. From the makers of the Switcheroo, Wallaby Cable, Color Computer 3 Dual RGB Cable. Get yours today at cocoman.biz. A whole new approach. Faster than ever. A window to a world of possibilities. Clear your expectations.
information. Just hit clear. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Hey there, I'm Ken from Canadian Retro Things. And I'm Amy from Taylor and Amy Show. Yeah, that was Amy from Taylor and Amy Show. And you're watching the Coco Nation Show. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks, from around the world, to your nation, the Coco Nation News, with L. Curtis Boyle. Okay, if everything's going according to plan, you should be seeing the Interim Computer Festival on the screen right now. Yep. Okay. So upcoming shows, uh, of course, VCF uh, SoCal ended last weekend. And I will have a bit of a report. We got a person there uh, who's actually in our Discord uh, called Voidstar. I'm not sure who that is in real life, but uh, he actually took some pictures and kind of reviewed the show. So we'll kind of cover that a little bit later. There was a couple of Cocoa exhibits there. <clears throat> but as far as upcoming ones go, we got the first is the Interim Computer Festival which is taking place March 23rd and 24th at interest space in Seattle, Washington. And this is hopefully going to become a full VCF event again, which it was before COVID. So they're, uh, they've actually filled up with some um, seminars and stuff already been posted. I won't go through them all here, but if you're in the Washington state area, that would be a good show to go to. Next after that is the Indy classic. This is run by uh, Randy Kindig amongst others. And is in Indianapolis, Indiana. And that's April 13th to 14th at Crown Plaza. And uh, that uh, I think this show has only been going for this their second year, I think. I think they just started it last year, if I remember correctly. So um, you can help encourage them. It's actually not that far from Chicago. For any of you guys in the Chicago area, that's uh, not too far off of a trip. I think it's, what, four, four or five hours, I think, from Chicago. After that, of course, is the uh, the giant Brian Weasler extravaganza. I mean, uh, Glenside Cocoa Fest, uh, where Brian will be showing off a lot of cool stuff that you won't see anywhere else. So definitely, this is the year to go if you if you want to try to make it. Uh, and of course, that is coming up here on the May fourth, the fifth, May the fourth, be with you weekend in Carroll Stream, Illinois, at the Holiday Inn and Suites. And as Grant mentioned earlier, the main hall's uh, tables are completely sold out. There's additional ones now in an extra room and in the hallway. I saw one of the hallway ones that's already been filled in as well. And, of course, we have the auction and everything else as we normally do. But uh, this is going to be a special one, I think, this year. So you definitely, if, you're, if you only want to make one show in the next couple of years, this is the one to try to get to if you can. And uh, once again, here's the Tandyless Com. And the solid red up here has all been completely taken up uh, for the main hall. And then this one already here, this is the hall ones here. And these are the new additional ones that just got added by Grant for that separate room if you want to make sure you're 
stuff is locked down in the evening. Next, after that, there's two on the weekend of June 14th to 16th. The first one is Boat Fest 3 at a new location a couple blocks from the where it's been the last couple of years uh, called the Social Event Space. This is in Hurricane, West Virginia. There's a general gaming expo for uh, computer games, video games, uh, occasionally pinball machines and stuff too. Uh, a lot of people uh, that if, if you're you know part of the uh, Amigos channel or watch the Amigos channel, you'll see a lot of the people that are mentioned there in the chat or have been guests on the show, et cetera, uh, including their uh, international computer club dates that they have. And uh, this is always a, a lot of fun. It's uh, gaming, very casual, a lot of fun. There's a couple of really good restaurants. There's a couple of new ones, actually. One is actually owned by Boat's wife that just opened up this last year. But there's another one, I guess, nearby that just opened, too. So there's supposed to be some really good cuisine that Ken and I will likely be sampling when we're there. And that same weekend, there's VCF Southwest. This is in... The Davidson Gundy Alumni Center, University of Texas at Dallas. So this is in the home area of Tandy itself. And they actually do have a special Tandy Assembly meetup, I think, for Saturday night. That's the current plan. And this is also June 14th to the 16th. So this is, um, it was a really good show last year. I know Brendan Donahue and some of the other people that are actually in the Texas area and the Coca community actually do attend the show. Brendan actually had a booth last year. I think he's doing the same this year, from what I recall. Chronologic Gaming is actually giving a seminar there as well. So this would be a really good one to go to. I'm going to try to make it next year. I just can't make it this year, but uh, I definitely want to go and, and visit some of the Tandy guys because a lot of the people that worked at Tandy, including some of the people that did design for the Coco and the Videotechs and the Touristy Model 1.3s and all that kind of stuff actually attend the show. So you can actually meet some of the people that are kind of our heroes and kind of started us all. We wouldn't have this show without them. And then the last one I got for now is Tandy Assembly. 2024. So this is September 27th to the 29th at the Courtyard by Merritt Springfield, same as it has been the last few years in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, no announcements of seminars and stuff yet, but it's still like well over half a year out, so that's not surprising. And But the fees and stuff are already there, and you can actually book as an exhibitor or just book to attend type thing. And uh, that's always a good time. And that covers all the Tandy computers. So that covers from pocket computers to Tandy 1000 series to Cocos and the Tier City black and white models and data terminal ones and all kinds of stuff. So be there or be square. And that's it for the. Those uh, I guess I'll do the game on news since we just did the game on recently. I just got a few of those. Sure. Let me share that. Okay, so first up, we've got uh, some MC10 ports by... I'm going to let the panel guess. Who do you think did these? Mm, Jim Carrey? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yes, of course. So Jim Carrey did uh, three this week that I managed to catch. The first one is Haunted House, which was originally sold by Tandy for the Tier City Model 1 in 1979. So this is even before the Model 3 came out. Um and you can see on the screen here, which actually shows the tail end of the listing of this conversion, it was originally written by Donald Foster. And uh, Jim decided to gussy this one up a little bit, so he made a little low-res color intro screen for it, which I'll let it play for a bit here so you can kind of see. Which looks pretty cool. I like that. Kind of looks like a haunted house. I mean, it's a text adventure game, but he kind of gussied it up a little bit, so that's kind of cool. And I think it requires, I can't remember if it requires a 4K or if it'll work, or if it requires a 16K. So I, see, describe that down here. 
4K. Yeah. So it'll so even run on a stock MC10. Um, even if you don't have a memory expansion, either the original 16K expander module or any of the new ones that are out now. The second one he ported here is actually a port from the Coco itself. And this is Scepter of Kazergla by Rainbow Connection Software. Uh, one that I just recently added to my site uh, within the last year. And uh, this one came out about mid 82, I think it was. And on the Coco version, it has a high res intro screen. And then the rest of the game is in standard low res graphics. And of course, the MC10, unless you buy expansion packs and stuff here, doesn't have the full high res. So he did redid the title screens and stuff here. Now, I will mention, if you're going to watch this particular video, the very beginning of his video is actually showing the end of a game that he was playing where he wins. So you get the full reveal screen, high res, or the low res uh, reveal screen on the MC10. Now, if you don't want to see that, you want to skip ahead about 43 seconds, and then you can play like an actual start of gameplay. Now, other than the title screen and the win screen, which were done with high-res graphics on the Coco original version of the program, the uh, actual gameplay is on the regular semi-graphics, and that is pretty well identical. So I'll just play a little bit of that so you can kind of see what it looks like on the MC-10. And uh, this one does require the 16K. And that's pretty reminiscent of the uh, full graphic PMO3 version that the original Coco version had. So you get to pick where the, where you, oh, I'll skip the buying stuff in the store here. I basically go through these randomly generated levels. You've got chests and stuff to open. Some will, you know, kill you. Uh, you got monsters to attack. You can attack walls to destroy them because in later levels, the maze is so filled in with walls, you can't actually... Maybe I should probably lower that. But the, you will sometimes have to attack a wall to uh, blast a hole in it so you can get into another part of the maze. And your weapons can be damaged somewhat, so that you have to kind of keep track of too. But basically, I think you have to go through the 11th level, I think it is. And then you can uh, get the uh, Scepter of Kazurga to win the game. And I won't play the win screen, so I won't spoil it for people. And then the last one he did, which actually just got released this morning, I believe, is um, called the Addition and Subtraction Drill Program, so it's educational. Um, but this is actually kind of an interesting roundabout way, because this was originally an MC10 game in Dutch. So this was published recently, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name because we've covered his YouTube channel. He's actually been doing kind of a, you know, restoring of a bunch of old Coco and, and uh, MC10 stuff that uh, he got from some, uh, an estate sale in in Europe that uh, had a lot of the stuff in foreign languages. So Jim actually translated all the stuff in here into English, um, and he's calling it, I think, Dutch Dutch sum, yeah, for some some uh, for addition subtraction type things. So. Uh, not just porting the game over because basically the game is still an MC10 game, but just you know translating all the uh, the Dutch to English here. So that's more effort than I'd probably put into a game, but <laughs> I'm impressed that he took the time to do that. So it's it's fairly simple. It's meant for young kids, but uh, it was it's good that they recovered some software. You know, for the MC10 that's not from France where the Alice was, or from North America where the MC10 was probably the most common. Next up that, Chronologically Gaming. Oops. Chronologically Gaming actually covered a couple of Coco and Dragon games here. I won't play too much of them because uh, some of the games are, you know, basically uh, some of these games are multi-platform, like in this particular one we're looking at here called uh, The Tyrant of Athens. And this is a Dragon game, and it was also a Spectrum game and I think a couple other platforms. So um, 
Chronologic Gaming, because the Spectrums are a lot more common, if, they, if you get some of these cross-platform ones released at the exact same time, he's usually playing the Spectrum ones for the long play. Uh, but he'll show the you know the tape in the original manual and cartridge or uh, artwork or stuff for the cassette, etc. So that's what it's showing here is the Dragon ones. I won't play anything of this, but uh, it's a text adventure game, basically. And then there's a second one here uh, called Warlord. Uh, same thing was cross platform for a couple different systems, including the Dragon. And I'm wondering if if Kieran or anybody has played any of these on. Uh, they mentioned the chat here. I think they're mostly text adventure style. And then the last one, and this is kind of the the he's cleaning up the end of 1982 September, and uh, this is the last of the Coco ones to appear. It's Wildcatting. Now this actually appeared several years earlier. Also made by the image producers who did the Coco version, but they actually did this originally for the TI-99. And I can't remember, there's one or two other platforms too that this was for. So the Coco one was actually kind of a late one. So we covered that. Now, a bit of a side here, the one he kind of highlighted on this particular episode is called Way Out. And it's an Apple II game and an Atari game, which I was pretty stunned by. It's a 3D maze, you know, exit the maze type thing, but it's not the, the cheating 3D, like, you know, Labyrinth or... Uh, Dungeons of Dagorath or uh, Phantom Slayer does in the Coco where you, it's just basically flipping the frames here, but it actually has the kind of perspective of walking through the maze like Gatecrasher does. And apparently it's not even using ray casting of any sort here. So I was going to show you the Atari version just to say this is pretty advanced for 1982 September. It loads. Like the kleptangle gets, but you can see, like it's a it's a real time. You can move your shifting around your sight area and stuff. That's that's way out, man. That's I have been with problems again. You can see I'm still drawing on automatic. Uh oh, there. Oh, he just stole it. What do you steal? But I didn't think this type of 3D perspective happened until a lot later than this. Kleptangle. And if you touch them again, you can get it back. But as if you can chase them back. Yeah, there we go. Now, of Why course, they're restricting the size of the screen and the resolution somewhat, so they don't have to you know, calculate too much. But uh, Nick, considering you took a Coco 3 to do Gatecrasher, I was wondering what, what your opinion of this might be for that type of perspective. Can you move just slightly to the left and right? Yes. Okay. That's and this is 1982. <laughs> I'm impressed. Because I think okay. the first one I saw that this type of perspective was probably Wolfenstein, to be honest. I think there was one other one maybe a little bit earlier than that, but not this early. I'd never no, heard of this no. one before. No. And Mark Overalls, have you seen the Apple II version of this one? Uh, no, I haven't. Because I there is an Apple II version. Now, it doesn't look as impressive as as the Atari one, but it's basically doing the same no. thing. I'm going to have to look this up. I don't, I don't recall seeing this one. So. It's, it's, it's slower, but it's still doing the same... Up. Shift and run perspective. Yeah. Uh -oh. That's the sound of the kleptangle. It's making what sounds like a Geiger wow. counter rather than the, uh, the the cool sounds on the Atari home computer. Now I still figured out stop. It's it's constantly moving. But and graphically, that that's impressive for eighty two. I mm -hmm. had no idea yep. anything like that existed. So I'm kind of glad he did this. Now I want to port one of these stupid things to the Coco to see. Right. Um, optimize it. Yeah, six through nine is it. Uh, he did, or somebody in the chat there mentioned that they'd looked up some information on this, I think on Atari Age or something. And apparently this is using something called an XOR. Oh, I can't remember the term they used. 
But the the method they're using is not a strict ray cast like we're used to, like like Nick would have done or Sockmaster did with the original demos. But there's some sort of XOR table or something that actually lets you kind of fake it much faster doing this. So I'm kind of curious mm -hmm. if, if this has been disassembled anywhere because I'd like to learn how that algorithm works. Because maybe you can do something really impressive then if it takes a lot less CPU time. And obviously it does because these are running at one and you know 1.78 megahertz machines as well, but back in 82. And one megahertz for the Apple. Yeah, one for the Apple and 1.78 for the Azure. Yeah, so there's ray casting and ray tracing, but um, I actually have a really good uh, graphic book that's for the Apple with AppleSoft and Assembler. Uh, mm -hmm. And also the version for the IBM PC. And it has some advanced techniques like this, how to uh, basically, you know, calculate points outside of reviewable area. You do the math and get it to come up. So I'll have to take a look at that and see. Yeah. Most, <laughs> most of the ones I've seen are either sign-based or sign-table-based if you want to do a quick lookup, which I think that's how um, Remy's 3D rate trace or uh, texture mapped one demo on the Coke 3 works. The one I optimized for the 639 later. And also Gatecrasher and, and both of the Gloom demos by Sockmaster are based on that. But this sounds like it's something using something even s smaller and faster than that. Maybe it's not as perfect. I don't know. But uh, very impressive, I have to say. So, so to keep keep it straight in my brain, ray casting is where like a kid's version that shoots out of your eyes and what the ray hits. Yeah, where it hits, see. it stops. And then ray tracing is there's a separate light source that bounces. Yeah, ray tracing is the one that takes hours even on you know okay. semi-modern machines because you're doing every single shadow and light reflection. and It's, it's like Deluxe Cocoa and Cocoa Deluxe. I can never keep them straight. So casting is from your eyes, you're yeah. radaring out. Nick Nick can probably explain this better than any of us because he's actually written a game that's based on it. I can't. Yeah. Well, you wrote it. <laughs> or just, you know, we can play the game, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No. Whatever. So your 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 version used the ray trace, right? Like where you basically do this scan from the eye? Yeah, from the eye. Yeah, that's right. And did you use a sign table on yours? I can't remember. Uh, yes, yes, there was a sign table. Okay. Because yeah. <clears throat> apparently this uses some sort of XOR thing, which uh, I've never heard of before, but apparently it runs pretty quick because it's running on these fairly old machines here. So. Mm. Next up, I have Retro Trailer 2, which is a channel I'm not familiar with. I uh, put up a short video of gameplay of Speed Racer. Now, this is running an old version of Mess, which he mentions in the little description of the video. So the artifacting looks much poorer than on real hardware or more modern versions of MAME. You'll notice how it's doing the strict four color mode. But the version he's playing here seems to have the palettes hacked uh, quite a bit from what I'm used to seeing on, on MESS or MAME, for that matter, which on this screen is pretty well unreadable. But when you get to the actual gameplay, not bad. It actually got green grass and red barns and a grayish thing. So I'm sure this is on a Cocoa 3. Uh, with you know a palette hack even on the old version of Messer Mame to give it a bit more of a natural color for what you're driving through because I think on the original Coco the grass is kind of that blue of course artifact of blue so this is a palette hack I'd not seen before but I, it's not bad it's not terrific and I'd like to see it on a more modern version of Mame that actually does the you know fine details of artifacting better so it's not such a blurry mess trying to read these numbers and stuff but looks like a Christmas scene <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> the right color theme for it, that's for sure. And the last one I've got here, this is Expert Tech. We've covered him before. This is a guy that has a Spanish channel. 
and he's normally like an IT guy. And then he has this real Coco 2 hooked up to an Amber monitor and he, he plays Coco games and records them every once in a while with commentary in Spanish. So he, once again, he does that and he's using Spider Side from Tandy. So the actual cartridge version. Now this game, if I remember the artifact colors of the spiders determines how many points are worth. And of course on an Amber screen, you can't tell. So he probably has no idea scoring wise, you know, what he's trying to kill off, you know, one of the spiders type thing. I'm sure have you, everybody here seen Spider Side or do you guys want to see a quick clip of the gameplay in action? Going once, going twice. I'll assume that you guys know what it looks like. Oh, you want a quick clip? Okay. Yeah, yeah. This game has pretty good sound effects. That's what I kind of remember. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's I remember that. The controls, I remember, took a while to get used to. Because you left and right on the joystick steers you left and right and then back and forward actually moves you back and forward. But if you hold it slightly off center, you're starting going in curves. But uh, it's kind of a cross of uh, like asteroids with a Tholian web episode of Star Trek. That's what it reminds me of. An original game, as far as I know. What? No Corbamite? <laughs> no, no bluffing. Anyway, it's good to see that we've been seeing a lot the last couple of years here of uh, foreign language, although it's not English language, uh, Cocoa videos happening on you know a variety of fronts in South America and in, in Europe, et cetera. So that's been really cool to see. I'm, I'm glad that the, uh, the word of the Cocoa is spreading and the people that had Cocoa's back then are, you know, being able to share a lot of this stuff. They have, they have, you know, different hacked versions of software with, you know, different languages for instruction screen stuff and every once in a while we get a pop in of something we've never seen before because it was written natively in that language for the their version of the coco and it never got translated over to us so that's that's really cool that's it for the game on news let me switch over to the regular okay you guys are seeing vcf socal Happened, man. The points are actually in our dip. We're losing Curtis. Yeah. Or, um, <sighs> not sure. Well, there's a couple of syllables. <laughs> Give him a minute. He'll he'll fly back in. Yeah. Okay, so he's going to talk about uh, BCF SoCal. I think we got some. Uh, he's got some pictures. Yeah, it looks like it's actually happened. <laughs> yeah, we have T-shirts. Happened last week. Cat, go go lay down over there. There, there. You go lay down that right there. Yeah, there you go. Curtis should have rebooted his Mac this morning. <laughs> right, or rebooted Sastel. <laughs> Uh, we lost them all together. You went off the air. Yeah, he's been gone for a while. Okay, how about yes. some WeFacts for everybody? Yes, everybody <laughs> drink. Thanks, everyone. Do 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 no video, no audio. Uh, I'm oh, muted though. He'll come back. 
He's he's muted like some of our guests. Right. Very emphatically <laughs> muted though. <laughs> yeah, my, my router rebooted itself spontaneously. Don't ask me what the hell happened there. Update. I told you it's sunspots. That uh, might have been an update. Sunspots. So let's see if I can try this again. Hey, we were on tab one. With feeling. <laughs> you should you missed the intermission music. <laughs> I was Mark. singing. Yes. The Jeopardy 30 seconds. Theme. Unfortunately, it also disconnected a lot of the links here. So just a second here. Right, back. So you've got 42 links to bring back up. Right? Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Give us some more. Cut paste. Cut paste. Cut paste. Oh, let's see. Okay. <clears throat> you guys can see this now. Wade Star. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so this is a fancier hotel than I think we're used to seeing <laughs> at a yeah, vintage California. computer show. Yeah, that's it's across the street from that, and right? <laughs> and it's Orange County. Yeah, and this is the actual um, what's the National League baseball team there? That's um, Angels. Angels. Uh, is it Anaheim Angels still, or uh, uh, the their stadiums in Anaheim? Because I've actually stayed right near it, so. Yeah, I've actually been to the Anaheim Angels Stadium. I had a meeting with them years back, but anyway, that's the uh, hotel it's in. And then he started going around just taking pictures of you know uh, all the various booths, just as stuff for the Atari eight bits, as you can see here. And they actually had a fair bit. The one guy brought a whole bunch of Macs, and which including a, quite a few for sale, from G threes to G fours to you know the classic style ones. There's uh, some of the seminars happening in the seminar room. Microsoft Windows actually still boxed up for two hundred dollars. Good choice. Maybe version two. Any CPU five bucks. I don't see any six three nines in there though, unfortunately. Hey, I got a collection just like that. <laughs> hey, I'd be love to get five bucks a piece for them. Some yeah. of the original cross-platform basic uh, game books. I used to have this blue one here, actually, the basic computing one, the first one. Yeah, some people were storing, uh, you know. 30-year-old systems that want, you know, the authentic MD K4 or whatever it was. Yeah. It's like, I need one of those. There's some old, uh, you know, portables and stuff, kind of like the Model 100 style, but in particular the neck. There's an MC10 makes an appearance. This is some other Tandy things here, like the portable disk drive. In the middle there. Beefy expansion. Yeah, Coco right there. And the Coco Dancer. Actually, maybe I'll zoom that one up. Good too. Program, yeah, by, program Roger by Roger Taylor, who doesn't want to show up in our show for some reason. Roger, please come on. This is one I don't remember seeing before. The Otrona Attaché. Oh, interesting. Transportable. Luggable. Luggable, yeah. yeah Luggable, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> it's, it's it's a fair number of pounds, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, not a pound over says, 50. Says 18, 18 pounds. pounds. Oh, with just floppies. Okay, that makes sense. I do like this where the whole front end of the drive lifts up to put in a, a floppy disk, though, not just a little latch, but the whole front end lift, lifts up. Oh, it's like, like a tape drive used to open up, except for floppies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I have seen one or two of these before on other machines, but they're pretty rare. <clears throat> There's some keyboard stuff. An 8-bit synthesizer for MIDI using 8-bit Motorola 6800 family of chips. <laughs> Yay. A whole bunch of, you know, the really old classic stuff here, like M-Size, m, -size, m, -size, m -size and there's a PDP, I think, I can't remember the, is that the 8 or the 11? 8. So that's, a, I think, similar to the one that Rick Adams has now. Yep. That's an original, original LT. Yeah, it's a lot smaller. Yep, the re yeah, yeah. No, they, these the, are many, like, duplicates. Yeah, these are all, like, uh, modern recreations. Of recreations, yeah. Fun fact, I worked at a Burger King that used a PDP-8 to run all of their point-of-sale systems, and that thing was as big yeah. as that luggable that you saw earlier. Well, the PDP eleven item was the size of a refrigerator that we had at work. So yeah, it was still pretty. It was a good fifty pound computer. So yeah, yeah. The uh, Mattel Aquarius. It's a bit of a rare one. Almost a computer. <laughs> yeah, some other stuff. This is a uh, an eight bit computer from scratch, all wire wrapped. You you hardware right. people are insane. Insane, oh, yeah. I tell you. Check out the back indeed. I bet the hey. <laughs> it used to be that to build a printed circuit board was an, uh, a horrible thing. I mean, you had to yeah. lay stuff out and then get it made. It was easier to wire wrap stuff. <laughs> really, it was the lowest. You wouldn't catch me dead doing this kind of app. stuff. That's just too much. Well, the computer would be dead too if I tried to make one. So kind of. Kind of productive. Yeah, there is no soldering involved. It's just a little right, gun that wraps right. the wire in. They also had a section on uh, computing across the pond. So here's a uh, Specky actually playing Chucky Egg, which of course is a uh, one we also have in the Dragon and the Coco. Loading off of a little iPod. Right. The, yeah. The, yeah. The yeah I saw that. Yeah. Cassette file. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some Atari projects there, 3D printing. There's a in television. That's an Amiga, I think, isn't it? Yeah, twelve hundred. Yeah. You don't see Vectrex. The, pet, as the original much, keyboard pet, which Ken Waters might be very familiar with at this point. He's got a few of them. Built-in cassette. Yeah, what a beauty to type on. <laughs> oh, I hated that space, quote unquote, bar. Pick any key. Yeah. All... Pick it, pick I mean, I was used to re regular manual typewriters had a nice wide space bar. This little red thing here, that's the space bar. <laughs> well, at least that's the first computer I ever used was that exact model. That's a space and... button, not a space bar. <laughs> yeah, well, and they managed to totally screw up QWERTY as well. I mean... The A is directly under the Q. You aren't going to hit that. You're going to hit the S going through the A. It's just horrible. Yeah. yeah. So well, they did change it. Remember, I mean, to their credit, they figured out this keyboard yeah. sucks, and they did replace it. But well, that remember, was the model before this was a calculator. <laughs> so. Well, true. Well, isn't this the uh, this the only computer that has its own kickstand? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where the whole and, case opens yeah. up and. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know, but if you're putting the hood up in your car, you put this little bar to hold the thing open, and right, the whole thing tilts back, and there's a little bar to hold it up. Yep. Yeah, like you're putting groceries in the back of your car or something. Now, for those of you in the in the audience watching and listening and that are in the chat here, if you're not sure what we're talking about, I, I don't know. Ken, would you have an opportunity to show a pet, or is that too much trouble for you? Have you ever tried to lift one of those? <laughs> I'd have to I had enough trouble. Sh- I had it, enough trouble showing my own pet, and you saw what happened there earlier <laughs> yeah. in the show. I, I got attacked by said pet. Uh, so that's that's a firm no. I'm taking it, Ken. Yeah, pretty much right now. <laughs> if we're, we're in the same for? room, maybe, but... Okay. Uh, no, I, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was possible or not. So. What did, there's a reason why for? it has a, has a hood bar worthy of a Buick. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Besides, my original uh, 2001 doesn't have a keyboard in it, so I'm no, missing okay. that wonderful chiclet keyboard. Oh, man. Such a I don't know. I'd say if you were really missing it. So this data general here, like this, here's one of the removable platter hard drive units there. But that's the size of the PDP-11 that we had at work. That we had much smaller, crappier terminals than this. And you upgraded with the Coco, huh? Yeah, we did. We swapped that whole darn thing out, put it on yeah. one meg Coco 3. Kind of, yeah. And I'd say about 60% of Nitrous 9 development happened on that same machine while we were working. Because multitasking. It was a what thing. Is that an SG? I got some Apple IIs and yeah, and that Clico Atom. What's the thing head. right in the middle with the that sun? So like that one? SGI. SG? Yeah, SGI. What is that? SGI. Silicon Graphics. SGI. Yeah, okay. There's money. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, them them weren't cheap. Nope. Here's uh the Amiga CD, which is a a bit of a rarer <laughs> one. Just a bunch of Nintendo stuff. They had a free pile, as I believe almost all the BCFs have, where people just want to get rid of Mm -hmm. stuff and don't need money for it, so they just throw it on there. Yep. I've scratched a few things off the free pile. For you diehard old-style TRS-80s, there's a Model 1. There you go. On the free pile? (laughs) Yeah, it's on the free pile. I don't know. (laughs) Tandy 600, which is, I think, their third-gen... After the Model 100 and 200? MS, MS-DOS transportable, I think. The little LCD yeah, screen. so it's an 80 by 16 LCD screen or something. I can't even remember. And they used well, to be white. Yeah, it used to be yeah, white. Yeah. <laughs> Bromide. That one needs a bit of retrobiting, yes. Just, just stick it out in Ron Delvo's driveway. Yeah, it'll bleach your After flying here. There's if a bunch of old circuit no, boards, which is PC, so it's boring. Here's a there, Zork 3. Is there a free pile at uh, Coco Fest, like uh, BCF? Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah, there is. Hey, sometimes it's just like a free, not maybe, I wouldn't maybe stuff. a pile. And we do, we do have the minimum bid auction, which means you can sometimes get stuff for like a buck, hmm. which is That's close true. to free. Yeah. I got an 8-inch floppy drive or floppy disk one year on the free pile, but it's not nearly as tall as the pile at uh, BCF. Yeah, and here's yeah. the pet with an improved keyboard. Yeah, that what was much much pet better. Stand for now. That's a keyboard. Personal yeah. electronic transactor, I believe, is what. Yes, yeah, that is what right? it was. Yeah, Why what I like is the size of the there? dual floppy drive here. That thing's yeah, bigger yeah. than the computer. Oh, when floppies were floppies. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think? You see the CBM stands for. Commodore, Commodore business, business machines. Business machine. Oh, um, 
And you got to see the circuit board inside that uh, is, Model is, 2040 drive. It's is it like a whole other computer? Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a whole other yeah. computer. Sweet. I know what the BM stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Business machines. Mm. Anyway, had a really good uh, review on it. If you uh, read through the whole thing in detail, you can leave him a comment. Um, if he's ever uh, on the show, uh, rather than just being in the Discord, if he wants to pop on and talk about it more at length and do a full review of the show, I'd be kind of curious to see what he thought about some of the Coco displays and stuff. Next up, we have George Jansen, who's released part four of his semi-language tutorial series for doing Coco 3 sprites and software. This includes some updates, corrections, and some speed-ups uh, compared to what he did in the first three parts. Uh, I won't play too much of it here because it's over 10 minutes long. And I think he's inspired by Nick Marentes here for this part of the price demo. Being a gearhead. It's the gears, and man. You'll see, okay, we're using the... No, he doesn't animate the actual the gears here like Nick did, so but he animates the shapes going over top. Shaking gears was a thing. <laughs> Anyway, it's a really good series. If you want to learn how to do Coco 3 specific stuff like graphics and later sound and stuff like that, that's a good series to do, especially if you're a beginner. Um, and of course, he did some Coco 1 and 2 stuff when he actually was doing it live on Coco Talk. And we've got you know other ones from Paul Fiscarelli and Steve Bjork and others for Coco 1 stuff. But I think so far, uh, George's is the only Coco 3 specific one. So it's a good place to go. Uh, he talks about you know the various graphics modes and the gimme and how to do the MMU and all kinds of stuff here. So That'll be a good tutorial for Frederick there when he starts programming his new MMU. Yep. Tuesday <laughs> uh, Retro Programming actually did a follow video to his Ultimate, and he, this is using draw statement stuff, and he's, I'm not going to play the video here because it's similar to what we've seen on the previous couple video updates, but basically he's starting to work on the actual attacking because uh, you've got your, your uh, warrior, you can see on the screen there, and I think it's in the mid-draw when I happen to pause it of the wizard hasn't on the screen yet. It's, it's a little... Yeah, so basically the snake is now wandering around and you have to hit it in the head with the sword to actually injure it. And it can, at, at this point, still walk over you. But it's uh, talking about the collision detection and trying to figure out, uh, depending on what direction you're facing, are you hitting the snake, etc. This is a rather cool one here by Todd Wallace, Lord, known as Lord Dragon on our Discord server. So he's done a whole lot of really cool things over the years, like the weather app for OS 9 and... I think it was him that did the uh, auto sense of what version of Gimme and RAM detection stuff, a little thing for the Coco 3 for actually figuring out your Coco without having to actually open it up. And in uh, this, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think he wrote, uh, didn't he write the uh, um, uh, I, IRC? IRC chat, uh, yeah, he did that too. Yeah. 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 Both included in the EOU and uh, will be included in the next EOU. That'll be coming out within the next month or two, hopefully. I actually did get some progress done on it this week for the first time in months, so that was good. Anyway, um, this is an emulator that emulates an Apple II. And he's writing on the Coco. And it requires a 609 CPU and 512K of RAM. It also requires a fairly clean 20K ROM image. Um, now, I've seen some people complaining that it's not working right in some of the emulators and on real hardware. So I think there's still some glitchiness. So, uh, you know, user be aware. Todd's actively working on this kind of stuff here. But... Uh, he showed a couple things here. Um, like here's an example using low-res graphics, which he just implemented on the version one release that he did here. So it actually does have support for low-res. It does not support the high-res HDR modes yet. 
and it doesn't support the disk drive. And if anybody you know the history of the disk drive on the Apple II, there's a good reason for that because it's a complicated mess for as far as a programmer is concerned. Pretty ingenious for using the fewest amount of chips possible at the expense of the programmer's brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case here, he's got that screenshot. And then I thought I'd show you a little bit of his video here where he actually shows it up and loading and then actually types in a couple things in basic. And I believe this is in real time. I don't think this is overclocked, which means he's actually got it emulating not too bad of a speed for what little it's doing right now. But right now, when you first turn on an Apple, it immediately tries to boot the disk, just like you type PR number six. And since he's not emulating the disk yet, it just looks like it freezes. So what you have to do is do the equivalent of, uh, what was the reset straight to basic on the Apple II? Is something reset? Is it uh, from Apple monitor? reset or something? That's only the later ones. Um, if you're in the monitor, you can do uh, uh, um, you can do Control B or Control C Enter, and that will dump, then dump you into the basic from the monitor. Yeah, because basically you, on his emulator right now, because it does have the actual Apple ROM, it's trying to talk to the disk drive by default, which is not there, so it will uh, never uh, go past the boot screen. So he basically just changed it so that if you hit Clear on the Coco, it'll do the equivalent of that and kick you right to AppleSoft Basic, which is what you will see here. This is about one minute, so I'll just let it play. Um, For the audio listeners, you'll have to go check out the video on Facebook in the uh, Coco group. Mem. Yeah, Mamie's using to run this particular one. Still a work in progress, should mention. Yeah, but emulating an 8-bit computer on another 8-bit computer is pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like the original uh, non-auto start ROM for the Apple. Yeah. Now the cursor okay. doesn't look right to me because wasn't it the little crosshatch cursor? No, uh, the Apple II has a little solid one like that. It blinks, but it's uh, solid just like that. Or am I thinking the Apple II Plus then? Maybe. Uh, Can I play Apple Oregon Trail with this? No, not yet. Not yet. That is high risk. The text version you might be able to. Not bad for a 4K cocoa. Maybe if it had 16K, it'd be a little quicker. <laughs> right, but we, we have a cocoa emulating an Apple. That's just awesome. Yep. Right. Yep. And since we're getting more people from the general retro community starting to watch our show, I just wanted to show them this because uh, we actually can emulate the Apple on a cocoa. We also have a CPM emulator on the cocoa. That's part of the Nitrous 9 distribution. The next version will have a Flex, em, uh, not even an emulator because it's running native 6809 code, but there's Flex will be included in Nitrous 9 as well. You can actually run Flex disks. So there's a lot of stuff you can fiddle around with there. Well, anyway, that was really cool. So I'm looking forward to see where Todd takes this. I, like I said, a lot of people tried it, like Ron Klein and a few others tried it, and they couldn't get it running properly. Um, so it looks like there's probably something specific to Todd's setup that you know aren't quite generic enough to handle regular machines so hopefully those get fixed fairly quickly but that's still a fair bit of advancement to get this done so go ahead it's for a 6309 so maybe the emulators uh have a a bug with the 6309 emulation um ron tried it on real hardware too and had the same problem Hmm. all right so i don't think it's that though you're right some do have some bugs that uh, may have affected it as well but there's something still a little bit off I think one other person did manage to get it running. So it seems it might be the version of the ROM they're even getting. I'm not sure. It, it's a bit open right now. But uh, 
Todd's pretty good at fixing bugs. He's done pretty well on his RC and his weather app and his auto detector and stuff. So plus he did some of the uh, sound chip um, music drivers for Nitrous Nine as well. So he's done a lot of stuff. He did the IBM PC CGA font that I use fairly regularly on Nitrous Nine as well. This is the GitHub link. Uh, once again, you can get that from the show notes. You can get on the Discord server. Um, he's got the source code there if you want to see how he did it. Um, he's also got the directions here. He's got a couple of other screenshots showing it. Um, kind of where he's going with it. Now, one thing he's having a bit of a problem with right now, uh, the Apple II up to DOS 3.2, I think at 13 sectors per track, and then after that, 3.3 and higher was 16. But because of the weird formatting that Apple II, uh, the, the famous WAS controller used, um, where basically everything's software-driven, you know, index holes, who the hell needs those um, mm -hmm. type of thing. You don't. <laughs> Write your so, code, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why copy <laughs> protection on the Apple was such a, a wow. They did some pretty impressive stuff there. Uh, unless you're trying to back them up, then it sucked. Uh, but basically, uh, he's having problems trying to get the disk images as they're normally saved on an Apple II or from an Apple II to fit onto a disk because he wants to try to get them to run on a regular Cocoa Discs because our Cocoa Disc has 153K. Even a 16 sector is normally a 120K, but because of all the extra formatting and stuff, it's like a DMK or an SDF file on the Cocoa where you're keeping all the you know hidden bytes that the controller itself sees. Inner, and he can't get it to fit on a, even a 40-track disc, which would be a couple of pokes to get that running, it won't work. So you pretty well almost have to have a double-sided drive or something like that. I'm not sure how he's going to handle that. But at this point, he's trying, basically trying to get you know AppleSoft basic working as much as possible. So we still have to add support for high res, et cetera. But yeah, it's up and running. You can actually type in short basic programs and text or low-res graphics, and they actually work. So um Definitely go give it a shot. Let let us know next week if you guys could get it running. Um, maybe we can figure out if it's a certain ROM image that needs to be used or something and help Todd kind of, you know, get things fixed up. But it'd be pretty cool to see this project continue to go on and see what else you can do with it. Next up in the OS9 Nitrous 9 group on Facebook, uh, Brenda Make uh, did a proposal for Retrobus. Uh, and she said here, uh, sorry to be a pest, but in the spirit of the S100 bus, I've been trying to plot out a parallel bus that could be used with various retro computers and microcontrollers. And I'm not a hardware guy, so everything past that paragraph I'm lost on. I'll let you guys kind of describe what the heck I'm reading there. But she actually gives a bit of a schematic of stuff here, and she's had some suggestions from people like James Diffendaffer and Joel Reese and others that actually know their hardware. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting if you make something that actually works on multiple machines, like basically any 8-bit computer type thing, like like to get some standardized hardware, it might be a kind of a cool thing for certain things. I think the A-Bus, if I remember, tried to do yes, that. That's, it, she's essentially trying to recreate the A-Bus because there are so many issues with merging different CPUs onto one bus that have been solved before. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also because different chips do it differently, like... Uh, yeah, the Z80 has totally I.O. ports versus memory mapped on a 68X OX type thing. So. Well, and even just deciding what is true and what is false and at what level it changes is all subtly different. So it's it's a complex thing to try to do. Um, but ABUS was a good start at it, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite a quite a bit to bite off as a project, I think, but... Yes. You know, if she can get it working, I, I 
that'd be pretty cool. Next up, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this magazine. Um, it's actually published in somewhere in Europe, and it's normally, I think it's originally written in a different language. I can't remember where it's from specifically, um, but they make an English version of it, which is what I'm showing here. And it actually covers retro game consoles and retro computers um, right up to like the 32-bit era almost, uh, right back to the 8-bit era. And they normally don't have much to do with Tandys at all. And this particular issue, the one that just got released here for spring of 2024, issue number 22, it's a free download, so feel free to read it. It's a 70-some-odd page PDF, too, so th there's a lot in there. And if you're into retro gaming in particular, there's a fair bit of emphasis in gaming. Well, there is hardware and operating system stuff, technical stuff in here as well. <clears throat> but in this particular issue, they actually have a review of Paul Fiscarelli's MC10 version of his video poker game. And I thought I'd show you guys what that review looks like. It comes uh, well-illustrated. You can see a big new game banner here, and this is kind of the game testing review section. So it mentions, you know, editor developer Shoemaker's last software, which is the name of this little software company. Gives his HIO address if you want to go get it yourself. Uh, released in 2023, screenshots all the way through for the MC10 edition. Description of the game itself. Their rating, they gave it a gameplay 70%, longevity 60%, um, which isn't bad for a card game, honestly. But I'm, I'm glad they're seeing they're starting to get <clears throat> some MC10, Coco and Dragon type stuff. I think they had one article on the Dragon, got to be a couple of years ago now that I think I actually mentioned back then too. What they really need is writers that know the Coco hardware to send them some articles. So whether you're doing a review of software, or review of hardware, or you know some technical tips, um, I would like to see some more Coco content. I'm not a good writer, so I probably won't volunteer myself here. I thought I'd just show you the table of contents here. So you can see it's like 72 pages here. Uh, and I'll just wrench it a few of the ones here for the audio listeners. So like there's a Nintendo W2, the unprotections part two, emulate what, how, and why is another article. And then there's stuff on the end Queens problem, which you actually have a solution to that in, included in nitrous nine EOU with a uh, basic program by John Driscoll does the same thing. Uh, interviews with people that were, you know, part of the hardware and software gurus back in the seventies and eighties. Uh, review of the new Commodore OS for the C64. Um, review of Lemmings on the Plus 4. There's stuff for the Atari. There's the MC10 one, the Amiga, Vectrix, uh, Atari ST. There's just a ton of stuff in there. So like I said, it's, it's fairly game-oriented, though not strictly. As you like, the Commodore 64 OS review is uh, obviously not a game. But uh, it's it's a well-rounded magazine, and I'm I'm, I'm glad to see it's uh, been picking up. It's getting bigger in size. They're starting to spread out to more systems. Hopefully we'll see some cocoa and stuff here. But if any of you people like to write articles, whether it be a game review or a technical article on something works or something like that, and you want to get it to an international audience, I would definitely suggest maybe submitting to these guys. Uh, maybe you can also send it over to Glenside and maybe they can get another newsletter out too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good magazine. I tend to skim through it because a lot of these systems I don't have or never seen before. So, But uh, it always piques my interest when I see something cocoa related in it. Or dragon related. Next up, Joel Evie and the M1 group on Facebook. Now he's the guy that recently put in a blue SCSI to replace his failing hardware SCSI drive, and it's up and running great. Managed to back up everything onto it, and he's running fast and quiet, etc. But he decided in his M1 case, and he's one of the people that opted for the tower case because the M1 as well as some of the Frank Hogg machines were offered in several different configurations. You get a mini tower, a full size tower, you get a pizza box style. 
he's got a mini tower here. Now the turbo button and the LEDs on the front, which were originally meant for PCs to display the clock speed, don't have much use on M1 because it's a fixed clock speed. So he decided uh, to do something about that. And he hardwired it without documentation so it'd write the words OS9 instead of actually having a megahertz speed <laughs> so that you know you're running a real computer with a real operating system. Um, and then he also uh, started redoing some of the turbo stuff. So in his case, he's got uh, one of the daughter boards that has the three and nine meg memory upgrades. And the turbo button, he's wired to actually turn that on and off instead of using the jumper. So if you want to test something with that would run on a stock one meg MM1, to make sure it works properly for doing development, et cetera. He can actually just hit that switch, reboot with that, and then he runs as a one meg. Or he can hit the switch again, and then he's back to the three to nine meg board. Which I thought's a pretty good idea. Um, and he's going to start writing some software. I know, I know a few people, even David uh, Ladd is thinking of digging his M1 out again with you know something like a blue SCSI or something to try to get it up and running. Because a lot of the SCSI drives from the 90s when this came out are, are definitely failing. So... Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, basically a blue SCSI is an SD card style thing, just like a Coco SDC, except now you can use it on, you know, TC70s and Hicks 20s and Kicks 30s and System 4s and 5s from Delmar and M1. So cool. But I just like the little hack he did. So it says OS9 right in there, light brightly lit up as soon as you turn the machine on. That's awesome. <laughs> and you don't have to turn it upside down. <laughs> uh alan huffman did a bunch of posts now earlier i thought i had seen him post a bunch of pictures of steve bjork from some of their meetings like when they were going to go to disneyland because you know they're both really heavy into the disneyland stuff and a bunch of other things too but i can't find those anymore so i don't know if he removed him or if facebook's stupid algorithm is hiding from me again i hate facebook but at any rate uh he posted some other ones here so this is alan huffman when he visited alan uh battinger in Dallas, and I hope I pronounced his last name right because I usually get it wrong. Um, are, how many of you are familiar with the OS9 archive, RTSI.com, that was around for decades for archiving stuff for 68K and OS9 6809? Oh, yeah. Ron says yes. Uh, Patrick says yes. Yeah. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, and myself as well. Well, what you're looking at here in this picture is the OS9 archive. Oh, really? That's actually what it was running on at the time. This is back in 1997. And for those of you who've ever played around with OS 9000, which is the uh, cross-chip version. Yeah, Rick's holding up the OS 9. That must be 68K. Or... I've got that same set of manuals on the shelf up over my head. Was that the OS 9000 or is that the OS 68K? Yeah, it's you got? This, the 9000 manual set. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, if you look in the background here, because we had this at work too, we actually ran it on a, a 386 for a bit there, but that entire set is the OS9 with the Ultra C compiler and a bunch of other things included. And of course, Alan is one of the people that took over OS9 after Microware disappeared, and they have they actually have the legal rights to it now, so they resell it. And they've been making versions now for ARM that you can actually order from them on their own Facebook group. Uh for microware. So if you're interested in that, uh, definitely head them up. We had Alan on our show as a guest who we as an interview guest we had oh, probably a couple of years ago now, I think. But yeah, he's the guy who was running the RTSI archive and I sent stuff up there. I've downloaded stuff off there. It's uh, it was a great resource. And it's I think it's still around, isn't it, Nick? Rick? I haven't tried recently. So it was an FTP really site, but I think I think it's still is around. Is he a uh, Star Trek guy? Look at that tricorder on him. <laughs> no, he's yeah. more of a Doctor Who guy, if anything, or Hitchhiker's right. Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Yep. 42. 
Yep. Where's his towel? And He's a cool fruit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a fruity dude. <laughs> He's just this guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just remember your towel and have your house go. Um, here he is talking a bit about Steve Bjork. <clears throat> and he says, uh, I'll just read this text out for the audio listeners here. Uh, Steve Bjork did a lot of work in the haunted house industry, which we were talking about earlier, haunt, uh, house haunt hackers. He had a home haunt, www.scarylane.com, which is in the archive.org. You can actually go see what it looks like. And was partners with another guy named Steve Cosey, who also passed away a little bit, I think, before Steve did, but not by much, for the haunt hackers. And he actually took a bit of a screenshot from the archive here of some of the stuff that he was doing. And one of the things he mentions here that Steve wrote a little bit of an article on is that um, one of the things Steve did, and I remember he showed videos of us to us on the Coco Talk show, where he would have like a talking skull, you know, little robot skull thing that would talk in time with the voice coming out over. And he said most of the other people that were doing this kind of thing back in the day would base the jaw opening and closing of the skull for talking based on the volume level. So it never quite looked right, like it was matching the actual voice. What Steve did here is he did basically the same thing he did on the Cocoa Audio Spectrum Analyzer way back in 1981. So it actually would be able to tell the talking part of it versus just volume and it would actually time the actual opening and closing with the actual speech going on so the algorithms he used 40 years ago is what he used on the modern one to get the uh you know some of the best animation animatronic type stuff going so that was pretty fascinating to to see that um i do remember he demoed that for us way back when too so yeah we miss you steve that would have been awesome to see that again at the fest And another one that he got, this is a picture. And unfortunately, at the time he took this picture in 1996, he had a little tiny Epson photo PC digital camera. And uh, it was before he managed to get a memory upgrade for it. And I don't know if you guys remember digital cameras back that far long ago. But it only shot in 320 by 240, which is not much bigger than the Coco screen. (laughs) So what you see here, that's as good as it's going to get. If I zoom it up, it's just a blur. So... The first one on the left is pretty easy to tell was when Steve Bjork was the keynote speaker at one of the Rainbow Fests. So everybody who did that got a plaque. Rick Adams did one. I think Dale Lear. Um, I can't remember who else has done them, but there's quite a few. You know, whoever did the the breakfast uh, seminars, and every Rainbow Fest, whether you're at Princeton or Chicago or you know whatever, uh, you got that type of thing. The one on the right, Alan was trying to remember because he thinks that was from Datasoft itself to commemorate a certain number of sales of Zaxxon for the Coco. Unfortunately, that is not something we can read on the engraving here. I have no idea if this ended up in any of the uh, Steve Bjork lots that have gone on sale from the estate sale. I have not seen him on any of them. Um, I don't know if any of you have been watching some of those auctions have seen it. Uh, is Brian Weezer still on the call? I was wondering if maybe because he's kept close track of these auctions more than most people. And I don't know if he's seen this particular item. He probably, he probably has that earlier. sitting somewhere. <laughs> I'm just thinking, wow, Coco Fest never gave me a plaque. <laughs> no, this no, is Rainbow no. Fest. This is no, back Brian, when people had money. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Rick, we'll give you a really nice post-it note. Really nice plaque. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you a free <laughs> cup of coffee. How's that? Roger Taylor got a bunch of stuff. We'll see if he has something coming up. <laughs> tell you what, I'll buy you a free cup of coffee. <laughs> Sweet, but yeah, that, that I would like interesting to see because that's one thing I don't know is what were the sales of Zaxxon like. Would this include right. when Zaxxon was sold as a separate thing by DataSoft itself directly, which it was in the early days before Tandy bought the rights to exclusively distribute it? 
or if this includes this, the you know the one sold through Tandy, and what were the sales figures like? Um, the only few programs I do know are like Temple of Rom and um, Busto, and that varies quite wildly. I think Temple of Rom was around forty thousand copies. I think Rick has said, and uh, Bustout is between two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand copies because it's an older program, so it's around longer. So I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, for a thirty-two k game that was originally sold a cassette or disc, not anything else. Tandy only sold it as cassette. Not quite sure why. No, I, I know why. Cheap? Uh, no, Steve, <laughs> no, uh, for once, that's not the answer to this this question. Mm -hmm. It's it's called, this goes back to the infamous story that S Steve, I believe, told on the program at one point about Marty Goodman uh, putting out the flyers for being oh, able to crack, to crack the, the protection. protection on <laughs> Zaxxon. And that's what uh, that's what killed it being on disc through Radio Shack. And uh, <laughs> if I remember, did uh, did cost Mr. Bjork quite a bit of money. And he was quite upset about that, at least for quite some time. I do that. He actually talked about that on that um, Coco Conversations podcast that lasted six episodes. Yeah, he talked about okay. it on there with Marty. Actually, the two that we're talking about. It was oh, kind of fun. oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's, it's still irritating. All of the inscri inscribing on this plaque. You can see Datasoft at the end. That's the only legible thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried zooming it up. And I mean, what does it say? No, wait a minute. Here's the actual know. size. <laughs> Kurt, right. what you're forgetting to do, Curtis, you have to hit enhance like they do. Oh, on yeah. The enhance. A bunch enhance. of us in the comments were trying that. It doesn't work here. It's just copy AI protected AI from enhance. Enhance. Oh, well, maybe you should run that through some of that AI stuff. Maybe yeah. it'll. Yeah. It can make up some numbers <laughs> and stuff on there. It can then. make yeah. up words. Yes. Well, no, what it says. Whether It'll it say it like not. Steve Bjork, and then under it, it says Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Yeah, always bring it, your It'd talent. be like asking AI to write 6809 code and to keep sticking 6502 registers and stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. Yep, <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know if this ended up being in one of the auctions. If if it does, hopefully somebody will actually just take a high-risk photo of it so just so we can see what it says there. We'll see what Mr. Taylor has. And see, this is why back in those days, I still carried a 35 millimeter camera because the digital cameras just yeah. weren't up to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ron, do you know, is, is Roger planning on doing scans and stuff? If there's anything unique that we haven't seen before? Roger or? says it's going to take him a few months to go through all the stuff that he bought. <clears throat> oh. And he, he got a lot, I guess. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it went to somebody that actually knows the cocoa instead of some of these flippers yeah. we've been seeing before. And I told him, I said, so you're you're not going to come on our show and all that stuff's going to be locked in your head and we don't get to share. <laughs> well, even if, he, if, even if he like uploads like manuals or source code listings, depending on what he's got, you know, so that we can share it he on the archive. He source code. He said he does have source code? He says he does have source code. Yeah, he well, if he, he archives it, he doesn't have to come on the show. Code. Just just make sure it's available for people to look at instead of being yeah, hoarded up in I an attic him, somewhere. He can yeah. come on and talk. You don't have to have your face on. I said, look what Nick Morentes does. <laughs> Rewrite Neutroid 15 times? I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> He's sitting in his bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. If I, <laughs> if I wrote Neutroid, I wouldn't want to show my face either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheap shot. Yeah. That's, That's what, what we're about we, here. <laughs> and when we pass the savings on to you, the viewer and listener of this program. <laughs> Roger has a lot to, um, how do you say, contribute. 
And yeah. Just has to well, he's done some great programs. Shotgun. I mean, he did some of the earliest Coco 3 public domain games. Well, look at NetMate. The very first 609 game ever made, The Projector, which was for viewing GIFs and stuff far more advanced than anything else back in the day. He has a uh, Mary and the Butterflies game that he did for Mary Kramer. I mean, he's done a ton of stuff. So, yeah, I would he love to have a Coco channel on Roku. Yeah. Mm. Which, actually, if he wants to do that again, I mean, there was a bit of a disagreement between him and Stevie because Stevie wanted to monetize, blah, blah. I don't think the rest of us care. So if he wants to do it again, I'm totally fine with it. I don't know about the rest of you guys on the head panel, but I think yeah, any place we can put the Coco Nation show, go for it. Yeah, I wouldn't okay have any with problem. with a long distance relationship, right? I'm I'm open for the exposure. Yeah, I am too. So maybe I mentioned that to Ron because maybe that's why he has a bad taste in his mouth because him and Stevie, you've gotten a bit of a fight and that's when he yanked the Coco Talk show off the Roku. And that's, you know, that has nothing to do with us anymore. So maybe we can start Yeah, he just, I just told him, he was asking me what exactly happened. And in a nutshell, I told him and then, and he said, oh, you know, so it's like he wasn't aware of the status of Coco Talk. Yeah, maybe approach him from that angle then, because um, I, I I do know there was a pretty heated disagreement between the two of them on that, and uh, I don't think that would be an issue at all anymore. We'd we'd welcome the extra exposure, and I think uh, he, he would welcome the fact he wouldn't right have to now. fight with anybody over it. He, he <laughs> Ron, are you there. able to take him to lunch? No, I think he. Where does he live? I don't even. Oh, he's he's in Arkansas or something. Or... Oh, that's that's just a short commute for you. You can have a lunch yeah, meeting yeah, with so him. You could be back by. Back by next Tuesday. What was that, Mark? Did you say you know where he lives? Or I thought he lived in Texas. Oh, it could be. Oh, that's even closer for you, Ron. Hmm. The other side you guys could, you, two of you can meet up at VCF on. Southwest in June. Right. Everyone's in Dallas. He could just come on so. the show and we get to meet him. Well, well like I said, approach approach him with the fact that the bad blood that was between him and the previous version of the show gone. is no yeah. longer there. It's gone. The antagonist is no longer here for that. He was thinking I was getting paid for asking him to come on, uh, you know, and encouraging <laughs> him and everything. I said, no, I do it because I like the cocoa. Nothing else. Yep. That's the whole point of the I show. I take the money. Exactly. But... Geez, <laughs> how many free coffees am I have to give out this damn fest here? Really? I, I I think this is going to be a division by zero air, Ron. I think so. Just the like old Barbie. Nine can uh, handle it. In all seriousness, would love right. to have him on the program, and uh, you know everything else is just far as uh, I hope is just water under the you know, bridge. He's, he's worried about uh, sitting for a long time. I said, you know, you can be on for a half an hour or an hour and then yeah. go. He can, he can make it a series if he wants to. Yeah. I mean, if he wants to do Absolutely. 10 minutes a day, that's fine. Right. Whatever, right. Show us thing. Whatever he is comfortable with, we will we will do our best. To yeah, we will accommodate. accommodate. Absolutely. Yeah. Any any anything he would like to do is greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, that we could make it we could make it a series. It could be uh could be a, a be like Ron's a, garage started out where you did a little segment for 10 minutes every week for a year exactly it could be a spin-off of uh in the Whatever, same yeah. vein like you just said there awesome and That's he can plug his current say. products like um netmate and stuff too that he still works on or the as uh, tom eric Gunson was asking in the chat here is he the one who did the unofficial mr fpj court yes that is the same guy so he can talk about that too because i think a lot of people aren't too aware of that because there's now some you know free ones as well because roger char charges his, but they're not as close to the coco as rogers are rogers are the more accurate yeah yeah, I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, keep keep trying, Ron. And if he wants right. to contact me or somebody else on the the you know the public face of the show, then you know have him, I've talked to him a few times, you know, back in the past. But he was pretty excited about what he got from Mister Bjork's uh, sale. Yeah, I can imagine. Cool. All right, the next one up from Alan. He did part four of his Let's Write Lights Out in Basic. And this is where he's taking a program for the Coco 3 written in Basic that Rick Adams did. And if you guys have ever been to Cracker Barrel, you've probably played this game on the, the physical version of it. And um, it goes through a bit more of the history and stuff here, too. Here's uh, the pegboard as it appears you know, in a modern version of it. But he's rewriting this to run in color basic, extended basic, not even required. So this eventually could make it to the MC-10 as well. So this is part four. And I did notice because he writes these things way ahead of time and he kind of has a release scheduler that runs through. There's still a parts four, five, six, and seven coming or five, six, and seven coming because this is part four. So there's more to come yet. But this actually gets more into the programming side of things, uh, you know, figuring out the odds and how to check to see if you can move the pieces, et cetera, there too, and explanation, et cetera. So it's a whole series of not part of this game. So look forward to that. Speaking of Steve Bjork, and I don't know who this is. Is Mr. Coco Roger Taylor or is it somebody else? I have no idea. I, like Brian Weasel mentioned, he picked up a few Coco 3 bits from the auctions from the Steve Bjork estate. This is another one. This is a fully populated with motherboard. Now, I won't play the whole thing. It's seven minutes and there's no commentary. He just basically records himself going through it, taking the case off, et cetera. I can fast forward to show you a picture, but basically it's a 1986 gimme, a stock 6809, and a Cloud 9 512K SIM uh, memory upgrade. Let's see here. Yeah, so there's you can kind of see it's it's pretty well stock. It's got a, the six eight oh nine not upgraded to six three nine. That's the uh, Cloud Nine five twelve K SIM upgrade nineteen eighty six gimme. The ROM uh, but, is socketed. Yeah, I did notice the ROM is socketed. Yeah, I don't know if he did some custom things to it or if. Uh, maybe wreck the chip and had to replace it or something. I'm not sure, but anyway, that hold the video, which is almost eight minutes long. is just him taking the case apart in silence and then holding it up. And you can see like he shows you the bottom and stuff, which has a regular serial number, 1 million, 20,000, something or, you know, just a regular run Google three. The only thing a little bit different here is the socketed ROM and also the uh, 512k upgrade. That's not a Tandy one, but other than that, it's stock. Did that one run hot too, or, or they all do? The sim ones don't generally run too hot. They're actually fairly cool. I had one in mind for a while too. And of course, the modern static RAM ones are you know, really nice and cool. Mm -hmm. Plus, they let you overclock with a Gimme X. Okay, I'm not going to let the sound go here. Bob, you're still here? Bob Emery? I am here. <laughs> Is my mic working? Yep. So this is your uh, PC joystick conversion, and I know you had a little bit of an issue that you mentioned during the the show of uh, crossing, I think, was it to the axes you crossed over? Uh, yeah, I got the X and Y. Basically, the axes were correct, but the, the five volts and ground, I got backwards on the pots. Ah. So I could flip the joystick upside down, and it worked <laughs> normal. Put buttons <laughs> on the bottom, you're all good. <laughs> I actually how do that. Dividers work that way. <laughs> yeah, I actually do that in the video when I start playing Popstar and it's backwards. I, I flip the joystick over. 
See, if you're playing neutral, you wouldn't even notice because it just doesn't control properly. Now, right? <laughs> what is this doing? What is it doing? <laughs> anyway, this is this is a bit of a different craft joystick you're doing here. This is not one of the crafts that looks like a deluxe, which was sold for the PC and the Apple and the Coco yeah. and a bunch of others. Um, but this one actually has a, a button on the top of the uh, joystick itself that you hit with your thumb. Yeah. Uh, two buttons on the main base. It's still got the XY adjustment pots, spring load on off. But the switches on the bottom. What what is your feel of this version of a craft joystick versus the one that Tandy sold? I actually like this one better. It, it feels just a little bit. I don't know. It, it feels less uh, like the, on the deluxe. The travel just seems too far. Maybe because it's such a thin oh, okay. handle. Yeah. But the thick handle on this gives it a really good kind of arcade feel. But the problem that I did have with it is. Uh, that button on top of the stick is actually joystick uh is actually button one and the two on the body are joystick button two. Oh, oh that would suck because i prefer usually using my other hand for the button i would like yeah, yeah. one and two and then maybe something different on top but yeah and yeah, then on the game on challenge yeah on the game on challenge i was trying to hold that button one down while while going through moving around whatever game it was <laughs> right. and yeah that was just not not a happy experience so the very next day i got inside and i swapped the button wires around <laughs> so both buttons on the base are button one and the one on top is button two now and it seems to work pretty well i like it hey bob was this uh more expensive than the other craft ones i paid five bucks for this joystick but on ebay they're going for about 30 35 yeah, they're all. Uh, what I, well, what I meant was new. No, if, if you were. I have no idea. I never saw these new. Yeah, I didn't see this one before either. Did you get any of you guys on the panel see this one back in the day as opposed to? No. I've seen some like it, but I think it was yeah. another brand. But, yeah, that's um... what I'm thinking. Didn't, uh, yeah. Well, Kraft did make a lot of different branded ones, didn't they? Yeah. A lot of yeah, uh, they made Kraft created were sold under different names for different companies. Yeah. I know they sold these for the Apple as well as PC because uh, just from watching YouTube videos, people talking about the Apple version, but I had never seen these before. Well, I, I always enjoyed their, um, you know, cheese. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so are the two buttons in the body separate buttons? No, they are tied together. If They're you tight. want to separate them, you'll have, you to, have to cut a trace on that saw board. On the, saw on the circuit board and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that would be the only hang-up on this one here, because I'd prefer the you know left and right to be button one and button two, and then probably pick yeah, button then, one for the top one on the stick itself. Well, and then you want another switch, so the button one on top can be either one of the other two, just depending on the game you're yeah. in. And yeah, All of a sudden, really we have... Nice thing, but all of a sudden, so, we what? have feature creep on a joystick mod. A $50 <laughs> joystick for the Coco. <laughs> the Coco Nation is nothing without feature creep. Yeah, the interesting thing, if you look at the bottom of the case, uh, there's actually a, a hole and a there's a cutout for a switch and a hole for, a, I think, a potentiometer, probably for auto fire. But you could easily okay. use it to make a switch that, you know, re reroutes the buttons. Oh, there's okay. a deoxid. I noticed... Ooh. Nope, I know Mark Overholzer has brought in a, a, an actual Apple joystick, I'm assuming, which is fairly yeah, similar. So I'm going to stop sharing so you can share and, and put it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's give me a minute. Thing. So this is, this so is everybody at home CH Products. 
Mm-hmm. Sec there, Mark has to run back to his computer to. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. He was, he's yeah. off in bed having a nap, I believe. Uh, yeah. Fending <laughs> off cats. Yeah. Yes, CH is a big brand in, in themselves. Yeah. Say line. something, Mark. You'll be piloting. There you are. There we are. Yeah. Uh, no, what are you on me for? Well, because it's on whoever talks gets highlighted. I'll just so, highlight Mark for now. I'm trying to get there. Mark, come. Boy, that was a deep sleep you were in. There we go. Oh, any co host <laughs> should be able to pin him. Uh, so, this is CH products, but you'll notice yeah, that the except handle I forgot to make one. those today. Very, very similar. Yeah, the handle design. So. And it's now, the, the uh, this is like the top. XY pod adjust. Is that actually a dial? Uh, yeah, these are little dials here. That's I believe different. this is a trim, a trim, and then I believe these are for locking it. Yeah, the switches are to the lock. Oh, yeah. Okay, so different mechanism entirely. Okay. Craft has a really interesting little double sliding arrangement. So the pot turns on one axis and the little adjusting thing turns another one and then they melt the two together. Mm-hmm. The Commodore Chronicles is saying I have one of the CH product sticks I need to clean up though. Is that a CH product uh, brand? Yeah, there's a, okay. a CH, yeah. So that one must uh, use a separate little trim pot rather than a clever mechanical arrangement to do the centering. It'd be my guess. He's like, oh, yeah, because I was taking the way apart. it's kind of put together the, with having the knobs. Yeah, yeah, it so feels, feels like a little it, potentiometer. If you don't like. like a joystick, then it wouldn't be a joystick. It would. No, be it's a bummer stick. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I should call mine a throw stick then, because when I suck at a game, I throw it against the wall. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I believe if it's a if it's not a joystick, if it's the opposite, I believe those are the Atari fifty two hundred controllers. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct, sir. Okay. <laughs> Which ironically are pretty close to a black black beauty, except the buttons are worse. You know, uh, a black beauty uh, can yeah. fall from three feet and not break thousands right. of times. Right. I, I can honestly say though you. a black beauty will break if you hurl it against the wall. I did not do that myself, but Sufficient I was with somebody force. who was playing a game <laughs> on a Coca One, got mad, threw it against the wall, and it shattered. That's why the cords are so <laughs> short. Hello, Percy, if you're watching this. Um <laughs> <laughs> not to name names. Anyway, definitely go check out Bob's video. And if you have any questions about converting that stick over, uh, you can actually ask him on our Discord. Uh, next up, Primal Bits. I'm not sure who that is. Um, that's his channel on YouTube. And this is kind of a follow-up because he uh, did a YouTube short that we played last week or the week before. I think it was last week, which basically he received a Cocoa 2 finally. And the keyboard is a bit broken. It's uh, Certain keys are not working. So he goes and delves into it. And as he mentioned in the uh, the short video premiere or kind of pre-run to this, uh, he was going to try two different methods to fix it. Uh, one of which is which using the conductive paint. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit here. So of course, this is the old, the old Mylar with you know conductive paint is to fix these traces if they get worn off or just you know wear off on their own type thing. So you got the conductive pen where you can kind of paint it in and try to fix it that way. Now, from the people that have done that, <clears throat> and it's basically the same stuff as used to fix a rear window defogger type thing conductive paint my understanding is and i've never done it myself so i'm not speaking from experience from what i've heard it sounds like they do work but they're usually pretty short-lived is that accurate yes nothing sticks to mylar that's right nothing sticks to mylar 
no pens, no inks. Tandy couldn't make their traces stick to Mylar forever. And so you're kind of fighting a losing battle trying to get conductive pen to... Well, what made it stick in the first place was the fact that the paint had some flexibility to it for a while, and then it got brittle. Oh. Well, but then... it's also meant to stick on glass, which does have... You can stick things on glass. You can't stick things on Mylar, which is what this stuff is made of. So that, Mylar that's... events, right? Yeah, it's just, it's it's a plastic that nothing will stick to. So any repair you make is temporary. Tandy did the best that could be done. And even though it doesn't really move, it's still flaking off and cracking. Right. So, you know, it's kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because of that, I there are some people that are making replacement mylars I've seen. But you're going to get the same problem later on anyway, from the sounds yeah. of it. Because if, if the the conductive paint can't stick to the mylar. You're just temporarily warding it off. I would recommend plug for Rick here <clears throat> and you can give the uh, web address, Rick, but you have a thing called key fix, which is actually uses switches, et cetera. And actually it still uses the original Coco keyboard. So if you prefer having your original Coco two keyboard or Coco three keyboard, you still get to keep the keys and everything else, but it will actually replace it with actual switches. And you get a couple of different kinds of switches. You have slightly louder ones, almost like the old IBM classic keyboards and some quieter ones. But that solves it by becoming mechanical switches. There's none of this paint crap at all, right? Yeah, we're going to have the same uh, conversation uh, on our um, 654th show, you know, four, five years from now. It's going to have that video on. <laughs> the, the whole idea here is it still looks like a cocoa. It still works like a cocoa. Um, but it can be repaired now because it's copper traces on a circuit board and wires and switches that can be bought. Yeah. And it actually feels better than the stock Cocoa one, which was not bad. The Cocoa 3 keyboard, it actually is not horrible, um, aside from, you know, the Mylar problems. But it actually feels a bit more like a, a proper clickable keyboard, which I like. I'm, I'm one of the people that did like the IBM PC original keyboards. I know some yeah, people think a, it's too loud. I'll make a sales point about that. You can set the key fix so that the key trips before it bottoms out. Well, on a Mylar, basically, you've got to bottom it out to type. Yeah, which means you can type a bit faster because you don't have to like nail the key down hard every time. Right, you can you can set it so that somewhere in mid-stroke it clicks over, and so if you like to type lightly, you can do that. Which you so can Rick, what what made you come up with the idea that you should make those? I mean, other than the fact, or is it the main fact that yours did not work? <laughs> yeah, I, I had like eight or nine that didn't work, so I needed a a decent solution. I mean, I I have a bunch of leftover cocos from back in the 90s when I had the company and stuff, they just sat around. And so when I dug everything out, it was all broken. So <laughs> it was time to come up with some solutions. Yeah. And the nice we, thing about your solution, you've also got the little switch if you're getting a Code 3 keyboard where you can actually flip the switch and it'll switch the alt and control keys to become duplicates of the up and down arrows. Well, you know, so a lot of the Code 2, 1 and 2 games were set up if they're keyboard controlled to be two-handed, left and right with your right hand, up and down with your left hand. And when they went to the diamond configuration, those games became possible because you had to like twist your thumb and knots to try to play the stupid game. And uh, the Rick's solution for that actually solves that problem too. So it's actually not only replacing the Mylar and fixing your keyboard to work, it actually gives an improvement over the Coco 3 keyboard for playing some Coco 1 and 2 games. I've been watching the show too long. Features just kept creeping in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so would you guys say that uh, 
really the keyboard is the weakest part of the color computer. Otherwise, um, when you get a machine in the mail well, or just, something, just the Mylar sheet, it works. Everything else is great. The keys are never going to wear out. They're double shot. The letters will never come off. The, you know, the, the internal mechanism is bulletproof. The springs are never going to break. It's just that little sheet of my art. That's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just junk. By now. Yeah. Anyway, um, Mark posted the link into the uh, chat, but just in case you're on audio and can't see that. Oh, it's okay. computer connect and connect is purposely spelt wrong as C-O-N-E-C-T dot com. And uh, Rick's got a few things that you can order on there, uh, including something that he'll be talking about tomorrow, I think, at uh, your presentation um, for the virtual Cocoa Fest, but also the key fix. And he's got various key fixes available for the various types of keyboards. I think you cover Cocoa 3, all, all the Cocoa 2 models that you know of? Um, everything except one, the the cocoa melty keyboard that is ele electrically welded together so it doesn't have screws it's got melted down posts on the back that hold it together oh, okay we don't do that one everything else we do cocoa one two three. Oh, so you even do the chiclet cocoa ones as well right we just okay cool we just don't do that one sonically welded mess <laughs> is it because it's impossible to put it back together uh, that and other reasons. Yeah, it's got a, that keyboard has a lot of problems. Tandy got rid of it really quick for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. Does, anyway, um, definitely check out the video if you want to, you know, see uh, a person experimenting with a couple different ways to fix a, a key, Cocoa keyboard Mylar. Though I, like I said, I would recommend, especially if you prefer the field mechanical keyboards, but you don't have to like buy an entirely brand new one. Like Ed Snyder does provide that with even with custom keycaps. Um, but it's about twice as expensive as, as what Rick has. And you you basically replace the entire keyboard unit, including the keys themselves. Um, which, I mean, I did for one of mine too, because I have all my extra little bits for the, all the OS9 characters that are special. But uh, for game playing, I use Rick's because it doesn't have the option of swapping the old control for up and down arrow. Rick, do you see that there's different color mylars, aren't there? What do you mean? Is there a green one and a clear one? No, no, they they're no. all they're all just, clear. Just They've clear. got a, a black conductive bit and a silver sticky bit, and uh, yeah, they're all it, kind of the same. Do you have an opinion on which keyboards seem to last longer? Or are they all equally the same? No, they're they're all kind of equally the same. The process used to glue the traces on the mylar lasts so long, and we're at that point. Okay. <laughs> it's, yep. It's, it's like Amiga is with caps. Is there at that point because they were done with those later capacitors that just aren't as good a quality as the really old ones were, yeah. and they just explode and corrode your boards and stuff. And a lot of people are hitting that if they find an Amiga and uh, you know. Um, so if it's not met, wrecked already, fix it now. Is what you're saying on those yeah. Amigas? Yeah. Have you ever gotten many of those um, deluxe Coco keyboards to fix? I think it's exactly the same as the Coco 3, except the color yeah, of the plastic. It's, it's a Coco 3 keyboard, except the color of the plastic. I have a couple of them that I bought back in the day, and they they lasted about as long as the other ones. Okay. <laughs> so. yeah. Next up, we have uh, Mark Dusko in the MC10 group on Facebook. And uh, he decided he wanted to make a, a composite video out. Now, of course, those are available for sale from Ed and a few others. Uh, though, of course, with Ed, you have all the products and, you know, rotating through them all, being a one-man operation. Uh, it's hit or miss whether you can actually get it at any particular time. But he decided to do his own. 
uh, right from scratch. And he took some pictures of uh, the screen result from it, which looks pretty good. And actual schematics and stuff here. Um, or not schematics, but pictures of the actual modifications in the RF can, et cetera. And he mentions here, if there's interest, I can write up some instructions and share the video driver schematic. Um, I know we've got quite a few composite boards for the Coco. I don't know if we, do we have any alternatives aside from, you know, going way out there like Coco VGA and stuff? I don't know if we have too many for the MC-10. So that might be interesting for people with MC-10s and just not able to get one of Ed's boards. But uh, if you are interested in, and want to get the schematics, you can build your own based on this. And looking at the screen, I'll just zoom up here what is called a screen here. It's not actually too bad at all. And uh, just uh, if you can go on the MC-10 group on Facebook and just post a reply saying, yes, I'd like to see the schematic, then uh, if he gets enough interest, he'll actually publish the full schematic. And then people can upgrade their MC-10s to composite out rather than just RF. Switching over to the Dragon now, Ant. Gofart, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. My apologies if I'm not. Is offering a Dragon 32 uh, power supply unit replacement board, which lets you run the Dragon 32 from a single regulated 12 volt one amp power supply. And he posted that in the Facebook group uh, for the Dragon specifically. You can see the picture of the board here. And it's also available for sale on sellmyretro.com, which is, of course, based in Europe. Price isn't too bad, £18.99. Um, I have heard from some people, though, that if you're ordering to North America, the shipping is quite a bit. So uh, you'll have to decide whether that's worth it to you or not. Uh, but if you live in Europe or in the UK, I think this actually is a pretty decent deal. Now, there's other Bye. power supply replacement units from, is it Julian? Oh, no, John Whitwith, I think, is the one that sells those on Dragon Plus Electronics. So that's alternative. So I don't know what the differences it? between the two are. So does this make it so that you just plug in a... Uh, a, a cord like that fits into your uh, tape recorder into the back of the dragon Ooh. i don't know you're talking hardware that's not my expertise so anybody else in the panel well it looks like that's probably the... if you're saying the input is 12 volts yeah you use a wall wart yeah so this one just uses a 12 volt wall wart and you don't need the dragon supply that that dies right? oh i see i thought maybe you know a head like a tape recorder um 110 plug-in on the, on the back there well yeah, i'm just reading his description here he said the board fits in place or in place of the original board and uses two of the original screws to fix it in place a nine-way cable connects to the power supply connector or the dragon main board the PS board psu board accepts regulated 12 volt dc on a 2.1 by 5.5 millimeter center positive barrel jack dc to dc converters generate the plus and minus five volts required by the dragon 12 volts is used directly Reverse polarity protection is implemented. External PSU not included, so you have to get the wall work yourself. Um, the composite video and audio connections are rooted to a 5-pin 180-degree DIN jack. However, no RF modulator is provided. And I imagine most people these days are probably running composite rather than RFDs. Right, because, yeah, TV mod... That, that's right, the Dragon had the TV modulator and the power supply on the weird little board with a multi-volt outside connection thing and that's all gone now and you got this yeah. thing yeah and I, if i remember what the conversion rates i haven't checked lately but i think you guys are pretty close on par with the us dollar between that euro or the pound i should say um so i'm guessing it's probably around 20 bucks us right, there, like i said the shipping might be astronomical you'll want to buy 25 of them to make up the shipping <laughs> yeah then resell them or something i don't know how many yeah. there's enough dragons out here Group to warrant uh, that but <laughs> Next above that, um, 
Stephen Goodwin has posted in the Dragon users group as well. He's got his Dragon Docker container for developing Dragon 32 code up on his GitHub site for free download. Uh, he's currently only tested it on Linux. Uh, it contains scripts to build a container and another to run it. So this is his original post on Facebook. I'll go straight to his GitHub here. And uh, some of you developers that use a lot of the container stuff will probably explain this better than I do. I'm old school. I just do a semi-language on the Cocoa itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Docker slick, got to say. So Nothing do you want to explain can... it for people that are don't know what that is, like me? Well, so basically, <laughs> if you're building something for Docker, nothing else on your computer matters. So you don't have to worry about, do I have the right version of C? Do I have the right version of this? Do I have the right version of that? The, the, the thing you build for Dragon has exactly what it wants, exactly what it needs all the time. I'm not really keen on the details because you never have to be. It's just, it just works. So, uh, okay. Anyway, it's a free download for anybody who wants to try it. Uh, definitely Dragon 32 eccentric. I'm assuming this probably could be modified uh, to run on the Cocoa fairly simply, I would imagine. But anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a programming tool for the Dragon, which is kind of cool. It says the uh, Docker uh, container contains XROAR. So. Right, so nothing else will mess up your Dragon XROAR if you have some different XROAR that you're working on on the same machine. That's yeah. separate. So. I will mention, too, uh, Kieran has been actively working on XROAR, getting it to run Deluxe Cocoa stuff. So not only does Tim Linder's modification to MAME allow you to run the Deluxe Cocoa, and I noticed the Color Computer Archive actually has the Dragon, or sorry, Dragon, <laughs> the Deluxe Cocoa's 32K ROM is now uploaded there, so you have it available to run in MAME and XROAR. Um, so if you want to grab that, it's just the binary, of course. Um, and then there's one other story I wanted to mention here in closing that there's no screenshot or anything to uh, to talk about specifically. But, uh, and I have not had a chance to try this. I don't know if anybody in the panel has. I think Exile and Paradise, uh, Alan Murphy did try it and it seems to be working. But as many of you know, Ease of Use 6 through 9 has not run under the Cocoa SDC's firmware 1.27. Darren Atkinson in the... Uh, Nitrosine EUU channel on the Cocoa Discord has uploaded a new version of the firmware that is supposed to fix this problem. And, uh, mm -hmm. and like I said, Alan tried it out last night and said it does work on his machine. And now we'll boot the 639 version of EUU, so that might solve the problem. We can get all the extra features that he's added in as well as now getting a bug fix. I'm going to be applying it this weekend. I didn't get a chance to before the show. So thank you very much, Darren. And uh, I will thank you a second time next week if it works properly in my machine as well, because it's one thing I've really been missing. <laughs> so I backed up my firmware to the previous version. Uh, but he Every, did add some pretty cool features. So Everybody loves playing with the 6309. Well, yeah. I mean, of that's... Course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Frederick's doing overclocked 6309, so he's even going beyond us. Right, yeah. Lackers. <laughs> <laughs> so a yeah, big thanks to darren but if you want to try it out this is not uploaded anywhere else that i know of i don't even know if it's on darren's blog site but if you go into the nitrous 9 eou channel on the coco discord you can actually download it now and uh, give it a shot you can run it on the coco it's actually a disk image you run the coco and it'll update the firmware from the coco itself just need the sdc plugged in and there's some instructions you can follow to specifically do that so uh Everybody else can give it a try, too. Let us know what your results are. I'm going to be trying it later this weekend myself, and I'll report back next week. One reason to have two SDCs. 
which I do have. <laughs> to try it on one. If it's successful. <laughs> what I would do if you want to be safe, if you only have one SDC, is I would keep the 1.21. Is that the previous version that works? And then down this new one point, I think it's 2.8. And create the disk images on real disks first. Like if you have real hard floppy drives. There you go. And then, you know, have a version of each there. And then if uh, it fails and you have a multi-pack, you can just load in the disk off the real disk for the previous firmware, flash it back to the old one so you're still up and running your Cocoa SDC. Or, um, I mean, basically this only is 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 really applicable if you have a 6.09 base system you're trying to boot Nitrous 9 from. So you can still boot the 6.809 version. You should still be able to boot up in BASIC to reflash the firmware. Unfortunately, uh, the one thing you might have to worry about is if you accidentally have a problem or like a power failure in the middle of the update. Or I think Roger Taylor, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ron, but I yes. think Roger was he trying to do an update and it actually locked his SCC up. He can't even use it at all. So, so what, he, does anyone know what chip that firmware is on? Is yeah. it on the CPLD itself? I don't even remember. It's, it's, I think well, there's like four the of them in there. Pick one. <laughs> the instructions might say so. Yeah, you or know. you can ask Darren. Darren's been active on the Discord lately, so if the person who created the SDC is there, you can ask him. I'm just wondering, because I've blown up some SDCs. I still have one blown up SDC that I know the, you know four of the five chips are good. So it may well be that I've got a good version of the old firmware that I could just plug the chip into my... Okay, Nick, I'll you check. got a replacement firmware chip because the chip failed, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Well, Do you remember what chip that was? Uh, it's the square one. It, the, the <laughs> one. it was one of the black but, ones. I know U four blows out a lot. Had pins on it. Jason, I I, I do know U four <laughs> burns out a lot or blows up for whatever reason, but I don't know if that's where the firmware is stored. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't one of the square CPLDs. It was not. You said it was not. It was a longer one. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I didn't know which one on mine was bad, and so I sent it back to Zipster, and he sent he fixed it and sent it back to the, me. The long one is actually the uh, little Atmel chip, the 328P. Yeah, yeah that's like it. using Arduinos. Yeah, so it's actually a microcontroller. Yeah, and that's, that's the that's... one. That... Yeah. Okay, so when yeah, that blows, funny. you can't do firmware updates or anything else, or it locks up the whole thing? Or... Yeah, it, it was yeah, faulty and uh, had to replace it. Okay. Luckily, those are fairly easy to get. I have a whole couple tubes of them I yeah. use for the yeah. mouse. <laughs> mm. Hear that, Roger? Is that Taylor? a surface? No, they're a dip. No, that's they're that's dip. The one okay, through. good. Yeah, that's a through, and then there's a bunch of uh, what do you call it? PLCCs. PLCCs. Yeah, yeah, the others are PLCC yeah. format. Sockets are so nice, aren't they? Ooh, they are they're for handy. the stuff we do. <laughs> yeah, for home project stuff, if you want to manufacture in bulk, not so much. We just saw the well, we're not Tandy. <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, Chris Juris in, in the, in the uh, chat here says, I uh, never thought that I should put a 6 or 9 on my Tano. Oh, yeah, you should. Definitely should. Yeah. Runs cooler, and you can run some of the 6 or 9 optimized Coca-1, 2, and Dragon games. Because Karen and a few others, uh, Perserod um, has actually been helping me port some of the 6 or 9 optimizations to Dragon versions. So actually, you do have some software that requires a 6 or 9 now. And plays about, better and faster. What about Miss, Mission Russian Assault? Has that one been optimized? Yes. Wonderful. And Lucifer's Kingdom and uh, Gantlet and uh, Color Car Action. 
There's a few others I'm not remembering off the top of my head. If you play the Lucifer one, then you have to play the Burning Hell one. <laughs> That's when you play the 6502 version. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's that's all the news I had. I'm really looking forward to trying the firmware upgrade. I'm going to try to my old SDC first. The original yeah. one I bought at Cocoa Fest back in like 2017 or 18. And if it works there, then I'll try it on my main one that I bought later. It's all ready to go here. <laughs> I have uh, three of them. I have two that I use one here and one out in my building out back and then uh the other one i got set up for the um um and we kept under time well, i'm purposely trying to end the show with a bit of a break for mark uh before right. he has to host the the next show so you guys can you know, grab lunch or something or suppers really quick right i only got only got one hour or so with uh thomas cherry home so oh uh, either tomorrow. way we should give the audience a break yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like they can't go back and watch it later. But anyway. It, why would you want to? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't I'd we like get to know the why people watch it in the first place. <laughs> people exactly. watch this? The bulk of people that see this is after we've made it maybe days later, right? Yeah, usually. It grows for days, yeah. Yeah, we've had some pretty good attendance numbers lately. Maybe it's because we're talking about the deluxe and stuff. But uh I saw some a bit of a faster viewership uptake this last episode than we've normally been seeing. The Steve New York tribute episode seemed to have quite a bit of a uptick, also. Yeah, it's growing like a fungus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some kind of mold or something. Yeah, is that what gets in the keyboard? Hey, Curtis. Yep. This is your power you have. Mikey says that the Dragon PSG replacement on Selma Retro is gone. There were six available when Curtis showed it, but now there are not any more. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> that, that is what you call the Coco Nation effect. There you go. I get commission then, right? No, I'm just Better kidding. Better than Slash Star, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's see what we got in the uh, Carry uh, Shuggin, you guys can answer this, uh, Mark, and, and well, both Marks. Uh, he's asking in the chat, do we just stay here or do we have to reconnect to a new session to see the first seminar today? I'm, I'm sure it'll be a new session because I haven't pre-set up anything, so it's going to create a oh, new stream. Oh, you've got to start a new stream and everything, right? Yeah. So we just yep. meet on Twitch or something? And have you decided for tomorrow when you got all these shows back-to-back, -back, are you just going to make it one continuous stream and split it up after the fact? I, or are you? Gonna... Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll do uh, the streaming as one shot, but I'll try to stop the uh, local recording on each one, so I have a snapshot for each one. And then when you eventually on YouTube and et cetera, you'll split it into separate episodes or. Yeah. That'd probably be the easiest to do. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want, I can cut anything for you. So. Uh, I may leverage that Rick. Yeah. He's got one of those diamond tip cutters. We're good. That's well, good for video. Blender, so, you know, so a reminder, the, uh, the, the one session that's on tonight is in, is it half an hour or one and a half hours? Half hour. Half hour. And, and that is Thomas Cherry Holmes about Fujinet on the Cocoa and possibly some other stuff that he's been involved with too, like the Plato. Yeah, he said that Fujinet for Cocoa won't take too long. With him, but you can talk about Fujinet in general, talk about where it came from and uh, and uh, maybe yeah, the kind of history behind it, the purpose yeah. of it, et cetera. We've and then tomorrow, Thomas just to re re you know, rekindle for people here that came in, joined late, didn't catch your original presentation. What do you got tomorrow at what times? So might as well just give them all an Eastern time because that's what most of our times are. Yep, that's about. what the show calendar is. So tomorrow we're going to have a bunch of ones. We'll have a couple fairly early in the morning for me, 6 and 7 a.m., uh, which will be 9 a.m. Eastern time and 10 a.m. Eastern time. 
Uh, I'll have Julian um, Brown, basically the guy who has the Dragon 32 retro repo board, retro board. Uh, and then I'll be just doing one on something. And then I'm going to take a few hour break. And then I'll have four in a row. Paul Fiscarelli will be talking about the Grease Weasel and disc imaging. Um, I'll have Brett Gordon. He'll talk about his various little projects that he's uh, worked on. And I've, I'm familiar with a lot of them. You may have some I haven't heard of, but he's got a few cool things. Um, and then uh, Thomas Shanks, who's a friend of uh, William Strickland. He's got a new project called CoPico, which is using a, uh, a Raspberry Pi Pico uh, on the Coco. And I believe it has to do with networking, but I think there's some other stuff too. He hasn't been uh, real detailed in all the stuff that I've seen, but anyway, he's starting to set up development on that. We'll talk about that. And then Rick Eulin's going to come on. We'll be talking about the Coco IO and probably his WWW browser and whatever else we could talk about on keyboards. Coco networking. Keyboards. Well, let's talk about keyboards. OS9 networking. OS9 networking. There we go. Yes, that'd be a good one. Excellent. So uh, so six hours tomorrow of content. Uh, two and one blocks. more hour today. And one hour today. So, and I, I'm really, even though I haven't got a huge response, we've only been kind of plugging this for a couple months. I'm going to keep doing this. I think Mark B and I talked about it, probably in about six months or so, we'll start promoting this again for next year and see if we can get a few more people to show up for the weekend. First one's so. the hardest one. So there you go. Yep. yep. And on get behalf of Grant, I should mention that he's still looking for another speaker to for Cocoa Fest in May. Um, I might volunteer. It depends on if I can get the next version of Next 90 out, which I'm hoping to because I have finally started getting back to it. And uh, I might do a little presentation to say you know, what all is new, what's changed, type yeah. thing. Well, what's new? By the way, I I guess Grant's having a hard time getting speakers just like I am, but I had four other people that initially said they were interested, but then stuff came up, work commitment, somebody got sick, somebody didn't get their project where they wanted it. So, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Ken, did you want to help me if I do do another Nitrous 90 EU 1.01 seminar, or, or do you want to be in the audience and actually... He said do-do. Do. Uh, I can help you. Okay. You said you yeah, have firm bucks. commitments from both of them. <laughs> You've got a firm maybe from me. <laughs> That's what Mark had for all of his seminars. It's a definite <laughs> maybe. That's right. Your chances are better than zero. <laughs> yes. But not by much. Okay. okay. Sure. Well, that's all I had for the news. Um, the show has ended. Uh, yeah. And we should we should give Mark a little bit of a break here to get ready for his stream tonight. With, got like uh, a half it's hour to it's, all, it's only an hour. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. I mean, you know, we have some six-hour shows here. It'll be just, you know, another hour. With just oh, you say it's only hours? an hour, but it could be like a five-hour presentation. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, we're acting like these presentations are going to be like a whole episode of the program here. <laughs> are you accepting yeah, questions an hour. from the audience? You could be stuck for hours. That's true. I could be. I could. It's an hour. That's like a trip. We could all show up and start feature creeping. Ooh. Well, I assume like like Thomas Cherry Holmes actually just did a speech at VCF uh, SoCal just last week, and I'm assuming he didn't go over time. So he's probably probably knows what he's doing. You know, keeping it nice and trim. Yeah, but he's he's really good about feature creep from us. Yeah, as long as he hasn't watched our show, because we have no damn idea how to stop for six hours. So (laughs) the Coco Nation, we just can't stop. <laughs> we actually had be... Thomas on a few years ago. So when he was talking yeah, about his uh, Plato and Arata online. So anyway, we're going to be doing the back. same thing that Mark B does when he runs the show, the same format What's... and stuff. I mean, throwing oh. cats across the room. I'm not sure if you will or not. So. Mispronouncing names and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can just <laughs> I didn't mean all My cat's that. sleeping right now. So. But you're no, going to run not. the same. Pro- 
Kind of the or, same thing. I'm using the same basic layout. So oh, okay. Yeah, and you did but a test stream usually, last night, I believe, too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Just made sure everything worked. Like, it's like, hey, all the streaming services came. Oh, I do have one question for you, Mark. Um, for people yeah. that want to say ask questions or yeah. comment, et cetera, should they be doing it through the chat or do you want people to actually join the Zoom call if it's anybody in the panel or regulars on the panel? Any of our regulars uh, on the panel can join. Uh, if they want to be, you know, uh, upfront, uh, I haven't had anybody ask really otherwise. Other than that, you know, uh, Twitch and uh, YouTube work the best as far as the stuff gets echoed all around. Facebook, you know, you can post the comments, but you don't get to see what the other people say, unfortunately. I'm still trying to figure that one yeah. out. The reason I was asking is that some people want to do their presentation and stick to it, not have questions popping in the middle of it all the time. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if maybe certain presenters had said, you know, I don't want people live on the call That's fine. besides the host or if, yeah. if they you know don't mind the interactiveness live during the, the presentation. Nobody's told me so far, but I can always ask people to hold their questions, take notes, and then we'll have right. a just, question just, and answer uh, session. Don't share anyone else and put the presenter up, and there you go. Yep. So that would probably be best Zoom. to hold questions till the end. Mm -hmm. so, so when we click on Zoom, there would be a number to pick for that particular show. If I wanted no. to go on, same, I, same I, Zoom. I don't think I'll go on. But yeah. just, no, just the same as the same as a regular TCN show. Same Zoom or oh, Twitch. Okay. Same, or whatever same everything. You do. Same yeah. password, same credential. Okay. Yep. Nothing special. It's the same infrastructure. We already got it up and working. We know it works. So okay. Hey, let's change it. We've got a half an hour. Yeah, change it quick. Thanks, guys. This concludes another episode of the Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things the Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation Show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022, D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Okay. Um is that it? Oh, okay. See, is there more to comment, do you think, Marco? Or um yeah, I'm just clarification. Is he talking about the normal screen like we have right now where we have the uh the comments along the left side and the well yeah, he's saying stuff? all all the fringes are cutting away from the main presentation. So if I was to put up a, a you know PowerPoint slide, it would well, only have a half the screen because of the sharing the Presenter well, space on one side. Yeah, well, one of the mm -hmm. scenes we that have built in here is uh, one like this, where all that stuff is out, and we just uh, mm -hmm. it goes full screen. Right, full screen. Mode. Right, so give, that, give, that the, give the presenter full screen, and then people can talk, but they don't need to have their face on. When I've been doing the Coco Text, I've been running the full screen a lot of times, and then I'll put you know the two or three people I have on the panel on a floating bar. Uh, and uh, the but people, people shove out of the way. Yeah, you can shove yeah. out of the way. And like, well, I want to be people... on one of those floating bars. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> but when I, I just do want to float around, much, when I do that too much, people complain. Oh, the chat's not there anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm.
You're never going to make everyone happy. This is a virtual Coco Fest. Happy. This is not a no. Coco Nation. So. Without all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, in this, screen, in this particular case, I would definitely go the full screen for the presenters. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I've done that in the Coco text because it seemed because like especially like Mikey, you know, they're running their own local OBS and they're doing their stuff locally, so they got more control over the presentation and things. So it makes more sense just to run full screen. Yeah. So, Sorry, what was that, Ken? I, 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 I was we'll, just we'll going to say that if uh, if I was doing a presentation, I'd look at the screen, I'd forget what show I was on. I might start talking about like a Commodore or something. <laughs> That's okay. I know where the mute button is. <laughs> well, just yeah. would, you would just have to leave yourself a note and tape it to your monitor that what show you're on since you're on so many. There you go. Yeah, a little post it right there. <laughs> like, on the bottom of the good night, Cleveland. No, no, we're in Austin. This is Anaheim. Damn it. <laughs> This is Dubai. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this well, this can't be Bob Emery because there's no smoke. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Just under half an hour, the first presentation of the Virtual Coco Fest for this year will be happening with Mark as your host. Mark O, I should say. Yeah. And then uh, starting early in the morning tomorrow, a couple of presentations, then a bit of a break to the afternoon, then four in a row. That's right. Four in a row coming at you. Right. And so no commercial breaks. Bye. And Bye. the rest of us, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Push Bye. the button, Bye. Frank. Time for the mercy killing. <laughs>